Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, there's always one thing I forget to do before the show. Today, again, it's the air conditioner, so uh, at some point I'm going to have to run around and uh, uh, and, and grab that. Um, I'm expecting Tara D to call in any second now, and we're going to have our pup date, our, our pet update, and we'll see what's going on at the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. Um, but just everything's going crazy this week, and, and uh, not in the way that you think. Yes, Trump got indicted for a third time. Yes, his poll ratings are going to go up. Yes, we know it's a bunch of bogus material. But what you don't know, what you don't know, what is absolutely uh, thrilling for, for those of us here uh, is the fact that Jack Smith, in his, in his ultimate idiocy, completely opened the door so that we can now prove all the results of the, uh, the 2020 election uh, being a total fraud. Because he said that uh, he, that uh, Trump knowingly conspired to spread false information about the election being a, uh, a fraud. Well, the fact is the election's not a fraud. <laughs> so what's so funny about that is that now in his defense, he gets to prove the election is a fraud. And if the judge says, well, no, you can't do that, well, that becomes suppression of evidence. If the, if the judge says nothing, and of course is what they should do, and we, they go ahead, then they can prove the election a fraud, a fraud that dismisses the charges. So either way, Trump wins. <laughs> this is the funniest thing. Anyway, we got our pup, pet uh, update, uh, affectionately known around here as the pup date, and I'm going to work on, if I can make a note to myself right now, we need to do Tara D's theme. Everybody gets a theme around here. So Tara D, I've got to make you a theme. How you doing? Okay, sounds good. Good uh, morning. Good? I'm doing good. How are you today? I am, I'm having a great time, um, but just to, I'm going to make up a theme for you right now because you're so good at the show and uh, you had a great person fill in last time. So let's, I've got my America the Beautiful, which I, I say for occasions like this. So let's, let's, let's do a pet America the Beautiful. There we go. Okay. And now presenting one of the latest features of Action Radio, Tara D. Because America is pets mm-hmm. and pets are America. Yeah, you can join in too with our patriotic <laughs> moment I like here. it, I like it. Patriotic pets. Well, I'm going to increase the background just a touch here. Let's see. There we go. Uh, No, that's too much. So, aren't pets as much a part of America as everything else, as the people, as the landscape of amber waves of grain and Purple Mountain's majesty and all that? We've got all kinds of pets. We've got herding. We've got hunting. We've got cats that just bring home the mice. We've got all kinds of pets. We've got birds. I thought I thought, what's that? We've got everything here, because this is America. And now we report of America's pets. <laughs> Nothing that's America do. Very good, very good. I like Wasn't it. Isn't that like fun? It. <laughs> the things we get up to here, so I'll get you a theme. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll get like the, 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 see if I can find a, a, a non-copyright version of, of the barking dogs during Christmas. Have you heard the Jingle Bells oh, one? Okay, we won't do that anymore. All right. Seriously, you know, we could probably come up I, with that at the shelter. There's a lot of barking going on there as well. So. Yeah, make me a soundtrack. Actually, if you can send me an MP3, I'll upload it. And so, okay. uh, <laughs> if I, you make your own, you can be the first person. No, actually, no. Bill Feck is the first to make his own theme. Uh, so he made one, which I use. But if you want to make your own theme, that's fine with me. And get a little sound I'm not stuff creative. And, uh, so. Oh come yeah. on. Well, see now, now <laughs> what, what what my audience doesn't know is that Tara and I were kind of talking off the air a little bit, uh, and I think you should do your own pet show. I think you should get on Blog Talk, uh-huh. do once a week. Do I'm serious. Do an hour. You know, 
Tara D's Critters. Well, or, you know, yeah, well, I like talk that. about pets a lot, for sure. That's that's my one one area that, uh, you know, I love talking about dogs and cats, especially, you know, interesting, people interested in adopting because we have some great pets at the shelter. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that is a good, so it's yourself, an easy topic. So. so get yourself a microphone, get a Yeti blue mic. And they're not all blue. They're mm-hmm. silver and black and red and all kinds of other colors. I had a red one. I got a blue one now. I actually have a blue Yeti blue, which is kind of interesting. Get yourself a headset. Cool. Uh, headset plugs into the mic. Mic plugs into the computer. Computer plugs into Blog Talk Radio. You're on the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. You could do it. Yeah. So what's going, about what's going on at the shelter? For sure. What's going on with you? Yeah. Um, well, we have lots of stuff going on at the shelter, as always. Um, we just wrapped up the Bissell Foundation adoption event, which was the last two weeks of July. Um, so very excited to say that we excuse me, we adopted out, I think, 101 altogether, uh, cats, kittens, Dalmatians? and dogs. Oh, okay. um, no Dalmatians, no. but um, maybe, <laughs> no, maybe Dalmatians. You have 101 Dalmatians? But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so no Dalmatians. You know, you don't see this so often anymore. Just very uh, once in a while type of thing. But None I know they kind trucks? of went through a popularity, um, huh. you know, with the movies and such, but we really right. don't see them often, which is probably good. They're a little more for the experienced owner. They can be a little stubborn. And uh, so, yeah, I don't see them too much. But, yeah, we did really great. We adopted out about um, 101, and that was a great two weeks for us. Lots of kitties found homes, and so that was a great way to end July. Um, Then we started into August with our Clear the Shelter event, which is a national event through Hill Science Diet. And I think it's like NBC Telemundo are the sponsors. And um, so that goes on for the month of August. And basically that is just our adoption fees are are normal fees, 25 for dogs, 10 for cats. Mm -hmm. And then also you get a little starter pack. You get some coupons. You get little freebie uh, little giveaways that come with your adoption. So, And then at the end of the month, to tie in with that, we'll have an adoption waived fees, which will be, Friday and Saturday, August 25th and 26th. So the adoption fees will be waived at the shelter that weekend. So even though they're already low, then we're going to just kind of do a little adoption event there at the shelter, hoping to get folks in to see see the great faces that we have looking for homes. So. Wow. So just to backtrack a little bit here, the Bissell uh, adoption, mm-hmm. who's Bissell? Who are they? Okay, so Bissell, like, you know, they do the uh, vacuum cleaners. Um, oh, that's the same company. Okay, that's right. Yeah. right. yeah, so yeah. they're they're great, great. If you ever want to put your money into something that actually goes back into the animal community, they are amazing. So uh-huh. Kathy Bissell, who is, I guess, part of the Bissell family, they have the Bissell Pet Foundation, which is a charitable charitable organization, and they support animal welfare. So they're always doing um, a lot of things in the animal welfare community to help our animals in the United States. So they do they have neuter clinics, they do helping with like uh, cases that need like transport. And so what they've started doing is these quarterly adoption events where it basically allows us to adopt animals out at a lower fee. And our fees are low anyway, but we just do it for $5 during that time. And then they do like a grant submission afterwards. So in addition to helping us get the adoptions up for that period of time, then we also get a grant amount at the end of that once we submit all our paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork, but it gets people in the shelter, which is awesome. And it also helps us to make a little money for the animals at the shelter, so we then put that money back into the Partners for Pet uh, Fund, and we can use that for medical or any kind of needs that we have at the shelter. So it's really great. But, you know, those are one of the, that's one of the groups that really does give back to the animal community. If you're thinking about buying a, you know, if you need a, a new uh, 
what do you call those things? Um, and a new, I think they make lots of things. And I think they do steam cleaners, steam cleaners along, you know, all those lines of products. But they really do support the animal community. So, is she around here locally, uh, Kathy Bissell? Uh, no, they. I think they are outside of California, if I'm not mistaken. So. Okay, but you talked to her, right? Um, as a in a group setting, but I actually, I've talked to her on the phone before. We actually had a. I think it was about a year and a half ago we had a large case and we did a conference call because they actually sponsored a whole uh, adoption event in the state of Florida, an emergency event, so where they basically got other shelters and rescue organizations to support our shelter by pulling animals and they offered stipends to those shelters in addition to doing an emergency adoption event to help us get our animals out. So we were able at that point to get out 85 animals in a matter of two weeks which allowed us to not have to euthanize anything for space. So super, super sweet lady, and, I mean, they do an amazing job. So, Well, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I mean, I want to get her on the show. Oh, yeah, you know, we could uh, we could send an email in and see. You never, never have yeah. to try. But she's, yeah, super, super nice lady. I know she stays very busy, but, yeah, they amazing supporters of animal animal welfare um, and just do a lot for animals in our, in our uh, country. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm always looking for people too. And who knows? They might even want to sponsor Action Radio. So I, I do have my slight ulterior yeah, you never here. Know. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> um, Telemundo. You mentioned them a minute ago. What was that event? Mm-hmm. Who are they? That's that's uh, Spanish news TV or something, isn't it? Or radio or yeah, something? Yeah. So I don't really, to be honest, I don't know all the details, and I probably should know a little more about that. But I know that. So the Clear the Shelters event has been something. That's been going on for years and years, and they just do kind of some, they kind of brand up some advertising to help people go to local shelters and adopt. And in the past few years, it's gotten a little more um, media savvy. So now it's sponsored by Hill Science Site, which is a major animal, uh, yes, animal food manufacturer for local vets, or not local vets, vets everywhere. And then um, Telemundo is more like a Spanish TV, I guess. And so they have taken on as a sponsor, and then NBC. Uh, uh, you know they're under NBC, so it's gotten a lot bigger as far as the media coverage. So we're hoping that people will see these commercials that'll be coming out. I think they're going to have commercials and a lot of social media about it, just kind of pe- reminding people like, hey, let's work on your adopting. Go to the shelter; they've got some amazing pets. And the idea is to clear the shelters. Now we can't say that's really ever happened for us, uh, except mm-hmm. for one time that I'm aware of. Right. But anytime you adopt some animals out, it's a good day. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. So what's, what's, let's, well, actually what I really have to do, I have to turn my air conditioner off. I forgot to turn it off before the show. <laughs> it gets, it gets a little warm in here, but uh, it also gets noisy and it's very distracting. So I'm going to mute myself mm-hmm. for about 30 seconds. And during that 30 seconds, if you could give the, the contact information, uh, that'll, that'll give uh, you something to do, me something to do. Absolutely. You won't lose any airtime. Okay, and so I'm going to sure. mute myself. So I'll be back in 30 seconds. Okay, absolutely. So Santa Rosa County Animal Services, we are located at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Um, we know that there's a Pensacola Pine Forest, so this is actually located in Milton. You can call us at 850-983-460 or check out our website, santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. We've got lots of great information on our website for lost and found dogs. We have adoptable animals on there. We have resources as well. So all kinds of good information on there. And we also have our Facebook page and our Instagram page. You can check those out as well. They have cute pictures and good little um, clips of information also. Perfect. I'm back. (laughs) Right. Good timing. 
Yeah. See, uh, this is radio. Like I say, you improvise. It's amazing what you can do. Okay, so what's uh, so who we got for critters this week? Or do you have other issues? Or what's, um, uh, whatever's on your mind is, is fair game. Okay, yeah. So um, we actually did an adoption event, a small event on Tuesday. So Texas mm-hmm. Roadhouse in Milton has Dine and Donate Day. So they invited us to do a Dine and Donate. So basically you put your flyer out, you encourage people to go in, and they give 10% of the proceeds to the shelter, which was fantastic. So we had a really good turnout for that. I don't know how much we made, but we'll find that out probably next mm-hmm. week or so uh, when they drop off a check to us. But they were like, hey, come up and put some animals out up front if you want as well. So we took a couple dogs out there. It was extremely hot, and the dogs were like, oh, this is terrible. But um, they got to visit with a lot of people, so we actually took a couple of really nice dogs. So um, I was able to get a little more information about the two personalities. So we took a dog named Honey, which is a little um, mixed-breed dog, probably pity mix, about 35 pounds or so. Um, Amazing dog. She loved every person she met. She seemed to really like children, and and she's adorable, Um, just super sweet and friendly, just didn't meet a stranger. Very, very good dog. So we have Honey, who's adoptable now, and I think she'd do great in a, in a family home. We also have Arevalo, who's one of our dogs that's been there a little longer. She came in with heartworms, so we have treated her for heartworms, which can be very pricey if you do have to do that at your vet. But luckily, we have a vet on staff, so we're able to do that mm-hmm. at the shelter, which will really help her and, you know, a new adopter. That's a large a large amount of money to spend. So that's already been taken care of. She's already been spayed. And now she's looking for a good home. And she's a mixed breed dog, probably a little shepherd or something along the lines of her. But she's about five or so. She likes kids. Um, well, we think she likes kids. Um, we haven't had her in a home with <laughs> well, kids. How do you find that out? Do you, she seems do to you be, like bring yeah. kids? <laughs> she seems do, to be pleasant like with kids. On, we had um, a couple... Do you have kids on yeah. staff? You just kind of bring them by the dog? Yeah, we had a couple kids come up. Yeah, we, exactly. That's something we used to joke about because people are like, are they kid-friendly? I'm like, sorry, our two-year-old just quit off the staff, so we really don't know anymore. You know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but this this dog is great. She likes other dogs. She likes cats, and she seems to like pretty much everyone. So I think she would make an amazing family pet as well. So those are our two that, you know, I personally just got to spend a little more time with. We also have a wonderful dog in one of the offices named Lady, and she was actually on a case, and she's just been Mm -hmm. released for adoption. She's an older gal, about, mm, I'd say probably seven or eight, house trained, quiet. Uh, She just kind of likes to lay in her bed and then comes up to you and gets loving, and then she'll go back and lay in her bed. Just a great, a great, great dog. And so in addition to those three, I mean, we have probably about 70 more dogs that are up for adoption. So, you know. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. If yeah. something comes in, something gets adopted, something else comes in. It's it's every day. There's new faces coming through, and so we just try to work on the ones we have there, getting some out, and then we you know go to the next round and, and work on others. Um, as far as cats and kittens, we do have them, but they go very quickly. So since I was out, I really don't know. The only mm-hmm. one I know that's been there a little while is a cat named Marley. Marley is fantastic. But Marley has feline leukemia, which uh, is something that could potentially spread to another cat. So for that reason, um, Marley would need to go to a home with no other cats or with a cat that's positive for the virus. So that probably is going to take Marley a little longer to get adopted. But Marley is a beautiful Siamese mix, very friendly and sweet and looking for a home. So we hope that someone maybe that doesn't have another cat or you're just going to have one cat maybe comes in and falls in love with Marley. So Marley is kind of our cat of the week for that. Interesting. Um, um, I was just thinking of a feature we might want to include, like uh, the breed of the week. In other words, you can pick a dog and or a cat and just describe mm-hmm. different breeds for people. Thinking of animals, thinking of which ones they might want to uh, uh, adopt at some point. Cause, and especially, you can even do mixed ones. 
you know, what makes great mixtures. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can go through the whole doodle history. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Oh actually. my goodness, um, that's a whole yeah. yeah, that's a whole story. We're seeing well, a really, yeah. really um, large influx of doodles. It just in the community, I've noticed. And you know, really? it's they're beautiful dogs, and people pay all this crazy money for them, and then they get them, and they're like, wait a minute, these dogs are super hyper, or oh my gosh, the coat. Because if you don't take care of the coat, like it's a very you have to stay on top of the coat or they'll get super matted and it'll go to their skin and it, it can be very painful for the dog. So I think people uh, maybe don't do the research and they think it's going to be, oh, this will be an easy thing and the coats are, you know, they just have to. So one thing we, <clears throat> excuse me, try to stress the people is do their research if they're going to get a particular breed because, you know, while there may not well, be those particular traits every time. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if it's a mixed breed, obviously you can't really right. research a mixed breed because it could be anything. But if you're looking specifically like, I'm going to get a German Shepherd, get on Google and research um, German Shepherds, their habits, their exercise routine, their size. You know, make sure to educate yourself so that if you, you know, is this going to be a good fit for my household, for my lifestyle? You know, the last thing you want to do is, is get a super active dog if you live in an apartment and you're lazy. And and there's nothing wrong with being lazy. Or you're gone all day. You know, like... (laughs) Yeah. But if you're if you just like to watch TV all the time and lay on the couch, mm-hmm. and you're going to get like a young shepherd, probably not going to be a good idea. So when you want to make sure it's a good fit for your lifestyle, you know, just just make sure to educate. Um, people will get herding breeds like a Australian cattle dog, which are super intelligent dogs, but they mm-hmm. get them and then they complain because oh they nip at the children. Well, they're a herding breed; they're herding your children. That's yeah. Part of their, you know, DNA basically is to to do that. So you have to keep that in mind when you get a breed like that. That these are things that are probably going to occur. So be okay with that. You know, or if you get a hundred and forty pound dog, chances are if you have a toddler, they might knock the toddler down at some point. Mm. So make sure it's a good fit. Like you're okay with if you're a parent who is going to freak out if your kid gets knocked down, then maybe wait till they're a little older to get a, a dog that may knock them down. You know, just things like that. So we see people that do a lot of research, and then we see the opposite where they come in and they're like, um, I want this. And you're like asking them questions, and you're like, that's not a good match. So you just try to <laughs> try to lead them in a better decision because when we get ours adopted, we don't want them to come back. We want them to have a good fit for the family. So. Yeah, it's one thing if you buy a product, you know, that you don't like, you can take back, you know, with cylinder warranty or something right. like that. But but animals are living things, folks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a Absolutely. very, uh, it's a completely different uh, setup. Um, do you find that people have like bad or misperceptions of certain breeds or there's like advertising? Oh, yeah. You know, people, oh, so what's what's going on with that? What yeah, so, you know, and we've, we've battled that our whole, the whole many, many years being at the shelter. And we actually were, were part of that for many years. We did not adopt out any pit bulls or any pit bull mixes. We did not adopt out Rottweilers, um, let's see, Dobermans, and Chows. So there was those were the breeds that were on our, like, no adopt list. So if they came into the shelter, like, it was basically a death sentence unless you could find a rescue to take them. And so that was a really big thing when we changed that um, county order. I don't think it was an ordinance. I think it was just kind of a rule. But, we, you know, that was changed. So now, like, we don't do breed restrictions. So any dog, based on their behavior, can be adopted out, which is amazing. And it makes a huge difference because we can get so many great dogs and probably at least half of our dogs are bully or bully mixes. And so that allows them the opportunity to be adopted as well. And I know that, you know, if you watch the news, you do see a lot of cases where pit bulls are involved Mm -hmm. in a lot of things. But as a whole... It's basically, I think a lot of that is, is circumstantial and environmental because you put 
if you put a dog on a chain and you don't neuter him and you teach him to be a guard dog, then he's going to have a certain behavior. If you put him in a home and you give him love and treat him as part of the family, then, you know, and I'm not saying that's always how it goes because there are some dogs that are just not wired properly. That does happen on occasion. But as a whole, it's basically if you you teach your dog manners and you treat him as part of the family, then he's going to reciprocate by being a good pet. You know, not to say he may not dig in the yard or do things like that, but as a well, whole, you know, I think bullies get a <laughs> really do, bad rap. Dog, yeah. Yeah. Do, do people They're like, do dog dogs? Things. Yeah. Yeah, do people it's like they get a dog and then expect you to I guess stand in the corner and just wait, you know, and then and nothing will happen. It's like they're they're living, they're active, they got brains, they you know. Um yeah. what was an interesting question. Uh, has anybody done intelligence uh studies with dogs to find out how intelligent which breeds are really sharp and, and which ones can can think, problem solve, you know, that kind of stuff. What goes on in their brains? Has that ever have you looked into oh, that? Oh yeah. I'm I'm sure I'm sure there has been. Like I don't I don't know any statistics or anything, but I know some of the mm-hmm. most intelligent breeds that are, you know, uh, Australian Shepherds and Border Collies, those guys are just... Australian Shepherds can be a little more, I would say, standoffish as a whole, but the mm-hmm. Border Collies, like, they are just so intelligent. The thing with those, they're just... Why? So Why them? I don't know. They're just... They just are like... And, you know, sometimes we get dogs and you're like, yeah, this dog is going to be smarter probably than whoever adopts him because he's so smart. You're like, ooh, this, is, this can go... This can go two ways. It can go really good for the family or it can go bad because it's like, ah, oh, do you want the dog, you know, they're going to pull all kinds of, you know, tricks on the family or just get away with uh-huh. all kinds of things because they're just so intelligent, you know. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. But like, of course, German <laughs> Shepherds are highly intelligent as well. And right. they can, yeah. you know, it's really neat the, the difference of the breeds because sometimes we'll get dogs in and you're like, this dog is just he's a goob he's not smart he's but he's a sweet dog so it's like does he need to be smart no he's the, the, cute he's loving you know he can do his dipstick. job of giving love to the family hey dipstick so. come here dipstick you know it's all right i'm just kidding yeah exactly um, I, I would, it's like come I here give him, me some yeah. love you know well so yeah they don't have to all be super intelligent it just depends on what you're looking for in your in your companion pet so well, yeah see, it I just like kind of goes down to that you know, I hate stupid people. I do. I'm sorry. I'm pre- that's my biggest mm-hmm. prejudice. You know, I hate stupid people. I'm sorry. Just, don't call my show mm-hmm. if you're an idiot because I'm only. I'm just going to make fun of you. Um, but if it, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but uh, animals, same thing. I love intelligent animals. That's why I've always liked uh, parrots. Mm-hmm. You know, parrots. I, I've heard oh, described yeah. as as two year olds. You know that uh, you know with claws, wings, and and a loud voice, and they never grow up. <laughs> so if you want a perpetual mm-hmm. two year old, get a yeah. parrot. Um, I used to keep them. I don't oh, think yeah. it's fair to keep birds in cages anymore. So if I'm going to deal with parrots, I'm going to I'm going to you know get myself an island in the Bahamas and, and have a big, you know, oh, yeah. uh, parrot, parrot bird feeder. So parrot they can just fly in naturally. Yeah. Well, there's a place in Australia oh, yeah, that, that does that. Uh, there's a world famous oh, wow. um, yeah. rainbow lorikeet. Uh, do you know rainbow lorikeets, the, the, the honey eating, the nectar eating birds? The fruit oh, eaters? okay, okay. Yes, yes. Right. Okay. So they're in Australia. They're green and a bunch of red and orange and other things mixed in. They're not the greatest uh-huh. pets because yeah. uh, they're totally messy. <laughs> you know, and they're more, they're more social. They <laughs> yeah. like to be... They like to be in the flock, okay? So they're, they're really a flock bird. Mm-hmm. But there's this place in Queensland where this guy in the 1800s, he started feeding them this uh, bread, honey, you know, milk, whatever mixture it was. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he started feeding a few birds. Well, then it became a few more birds. And by the time I went there in 1967 I th- or 68, I think it was, um, my folks took mm-hmm. me to Queensland. I lived down in Melbourne, down in Victoria. Uh, there are thousands. And they come out every day. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like the birds, okay? The movie The Birds, the sky literally oh, darkens. Yeah. The sky turns green. Oh, my and goodness. All you hear, wow. Oh, no, it's, it's a, there are th- literally thousands. I had at least 
uh, 20 on me alone. And I was, and there were at least oh maybe five, 600 people in the crowd gathered around this huge football field. And y'all, you know, bring your raincoats because <laughs> you're going to get pooped on. Oh, oh wow. Uh, and, and you hold on. Yeah. Oh, it's hysterical because you've got a plate with uh, a bunch of birds on that. Then you've got the ones on your arms and shoulders and head. <laughs> and that's, oh, so you figure goodness. each person has about 20 birds and about 600 people. So do the math. You know, and then the oh, ones yeah. that are flying around, and they're all flying in and out, and, and they know it because it happens every day. So they're they're trained, uh, but they're wild. They're wild right. birds. And, you know, it's like swimming with the stingrays. that did that too. That was, and they're, of course, they don't train stingrays. But um, getting back yeah, to intelligence. Yeah. So so it's uh, be interesting. I, I know there are studies. It'd be a project for you at some point if you're you know when you have nothing to do at the shelter if you have five minutes <laughs> when you're not busy. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> let's let's yeah. do animal sure. yeah let's do animal behavior studies. In other words, do dogs like the border collies? I, to me, probably the perfect dog because uh, I don't need mm-hmm. a guard dog. Well, at least not yet. We'll we'll see when I get you know uh, action radio states. You know, or, or stately action radio manor or something like that, or the Batcave. Uh, might need some guard dogs, but um, I think a border right, collie well, German. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, border, exactly. Border Collie German Shepherd mix are probably the best because they've got a really healthy, active, intelligent dog uh, that can, you know, herd, hunt, and do everything all at the same time. Um, but has anybody measured, I mean, do dogs have a sense of humor? I mean, do you find them doing things that amuse themselves? I mean, I'm just well, curious. I mean, you know, I see them playing with toys and kind of entertaining themselves. I don't know if they find themselves funny or, you know, if they think they have a good sense of humor or not. I mean, I know that we definitely see dogs who are bored in their kennels or getting out and like they're not getting attention. They're like, all right, fine. I'll just amuse myself. And they're throwing toys up and playing Mm -hmm. with their bowls and things like that. So I definitely think that people underrate the intelligence of animals. I've always felt like dogs can sense when you're, you know, like my personal pets, like if I'm having a bad day or I'm depressed Mm -hmm. or sad or whatever, like they instantly know that. Or if I don't feel good physically they're they behave differently as to if I'm coming home and I'm just like my normal self, you know, their, their demeanor changes. They, it's like, they know how to read the room, which a lot of people do not, but the pets seem to be able to sense that. And I don't know if it's different with different breeds or if you just luck up and have a good dog, but I mean, pets as a whole and cats, I mean, I don't want to, undervalue cats. Cats are awesome too. They are just as a whole seem a little more independent. So sometimes maybe they don't care if you <laughs> like them or not. So dogs are a little more dependent on, you know, pick me, pick me where the cats are like, whatever, you know, so, but still it's, um, yeah, we definitely see animals entertaining themselves for sure. And, you know, kind of doing their own thing if they get too bored. So it's, and it's always fun to watch that because, you know, right. it's so cute, you know, especially if you get some kittens and they're like, hey, and if you walk by and you're like not paying them attention, they're like, fine, I'll, I'll find something to do. And then they're like, oh, this piece of paper looks good. And and then they've, yeah. they've got a game going with their fellow kitten on, you know, entertaining themselves, it's like, you know, past the paper or stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely animals get definitely underrated on their intelligence, I feel. Oh, yeah, I feel most people do as well. It's It's really incredible. So this is why I like to let folks, you know, you know, live up to whatever your maximum capability is. That's why I don't restrict guests uh, or, and mm-hmm. reporters. It's like, you know, people are like, well, what can I do? What's, you know, it's like, no, whatever makes, whatever you find interesting, you know, let's, uh, let's see what you got. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we create, we explore. Um, do you, is it better sometimes for people, especially if they don't have a ton of time, but they still want a pet anyway, to have two, like either two cats or two dogs? Does that make a difference or even a cat and a dog? Um, so it young. seems to be from, from the cat folks, what we hear are, Two cats are better than one because they have a friend. And for some dogs, that does, in the dog households, 
two dogs seem to work better if if a dog is maybe a little lonely, has a bit right. of separation anxiety. Sometimes having a second pet can help. Now, depending on the breed of dog you get as to if that's a good idea or not, because if you get two right. energetic dogs, they could wear them, each other out during the day, or you could just have two super hyper dogs that you're dealing with. So it kind of depends on the personality and your lifestyle as well. But, you know, they are pack animals, so having another dog is enjoyable for them as a whole. They get to have mm-hmm. a friend. They get someone to play with. And, you know, it's comforting for them when they're home, I think, and have a, a friend, you know, as opposed to just being by themselves all day long. Um, cats are a little more independent, but, again, cats seem to do well in multiples. We have people that when they hmm. adopt one, they'll, a lot of times the kittens they'll get two. And, they, you know, it gives them a buddy. So, And, and they grieve just, you know, people wonder about that as well when an, a pet in the household passes or a human, the, the animals do grieve. Like, you can tell a marked difference in their behavior. And, oh, that's like, interesting. So, you know, yeah, so it's it's just something to keep in mind. Like, when you're adopting, these animals will love you and be attached to you, so you want to make sure you're up for the challenge. And you get the benefit. I mean, you basically are just feeding them, giving them a little love, and they're going to dedicate their whole life to you. So it's a pretty awesome trade-off mm. what we get as humans, out of, you know, from them, so. Yeah, it's not living around other people's animals. <laughs> it's kind of fun, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's just for me though. And uh, and there are people that shouldn't. And so if you if you shouldn't have a pet, don't get one. Uh, but if you can, right? You know, and I see so many people. Uh, it's like they're everywhere. I mean, you know, people bring and they bring them everywhere too. Uh, although I don't see as much out here, but in California, a lot of times people will take their parrots out on their shoulders and drive with them and <laughs> you'll take them around. And oh my goodness! The wow. Oh yeah, it's just it's just yeah. I don't yeah. see that here too much. We yeah. don't have a whole bunch of pet friendly places here. We do have some, but it's a little limited. Huh. But I think it's it's kind of starting to change and shift. So you're seeing a lot more animals in the community. Restaurants are having the the dining areas outside where the animals can go and. Other places are allowing them to come in. So I, I think as a whole that's a good thing. And as long as people are responsible with their pets and make sure, you know, keep them properly leashed. And if they're not friendly, make sure not to take them in public until you've done some training. But as a whole, I think it's a really good thing. And I think the animals and the people will benefit from getting our babies out there and getting them socialized and getting them more, ex, you know, activity and exercise. Yeah. San Francisco is really uh, pet friendly. Some of the the best hotels, like the Fairmont, you know, Knob Hill, you mm-hmm. know, exclusive San Francisco, you know, uh, world class hotel, and it's it's a uh, it's, it's pet friendly now. So you'll you'll see you know yeah, Fluffy awesome. walking with the, with the diamond collar, you know, with uh, the one with the first, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, the only thing oh, I yeah. object to. The thing I don't like, though, is I have some, I've seen restaurants where the dogs are sitting in chairs and they're eating at the table. Oh. And I'm like, I think you're carrying this a little bit too far. You know, put the dog on the ground, you know, give it a food bowl, and that's fine with me. But uh, the minute you put it on a chair, mm-hmm. in fact, I, uh, I'll tell you Or they story feed before. it with their own fork and then use the fork afterwards. I see that. Oh, like, oh, that oh, movies. Geez, you just, oh, you ruined my day. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't, people actually oh, do I'm that. so sorry. <laughs> I'm sure people do that, though. You know, I prefer, like, you know, I, I try not to. Uh, I will give my my pets a little bit of people food <laughs> here and there, but right. not from my fork, so. No. Oh, please don't know. But, uh, yeah, and they're, they're still critters. But, anyway, I remember, uh, I'll tell this before Derek gets here. He should be here uh, any second. Um, but um, mm-hmm. when I was a tour guide in San Francisco, I drove this big open-air cable car. I think I might have told you this story. And Union Street, which is the posh shopping district, um, uh, near Pacific Heights and, and the Richmond District in San Francisco. Um, and I was driving down, and there's a woman who, you know, used to bring her dog to the, this little outdoor restaurant, uh, cafe place. The mm-hmm. dog was sitting, at, it was like a poodle something or other, you know, sitting at the table. And 
because <laughs> I pull over, I got like 50 people on board this big, big motorized cable car. I said, "Excuse me, what right. the, what has what what has your pet ordered today?" Oh, she's saying the Chateaubriand for pets or whatever it was like that. Well, thank you very much. So nice to you know. Of course, I'm I'm trying not to laugh internally. I'm dying laughing. It was it was hysterical. Mm. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, hey, um, if you have someone yeah, to order so, good food for you, why not, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, folks, you know, keep your pets on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> last bit of advice. Um, let's just get a quick uh, uh, contact one more time, uh, and then I got Derek, and we're going to yeah. talk money and credit Absolutely. ratings and all kinds okay, of things. Okay, so Santa Rosa County Animal Services. We're at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our phone number is 850-983-4680, and our website is santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Santa Rosa County Animal Services. And we also have an Instagram page as well with some cute photos. Sounds good. Thanks, Tara. We'll talk to you next week. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye now. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets, oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. Yeah, nothing to talk about, Derek. Trump got indicted, so he might as well just pass this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Just, just let it all go. Yeah. Does that affect the market? Do people, uh, you know, are, are they watching <laughs> politics? Um, or is it too early to tell? Or, or is it just like gossip at this point? Um, I, I really don't don't believe so. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's um, uh, you, you know, it would be, it would be really hard to say that it would affect the market. Um, you know, it's it's I, right now. Let me just say it's not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the biggest thing that's, that's really affecting the market was uh, was based on your your first comment. Um, you know, U.S. credit downgrading by Fitch, right? Right. Um, well, I was going to so, get into that. You know, uh, that um, I just want to have a little fun that's, first. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's only that's only one. Um, that's only one U.S. credit uh, credit rating that's downgraded. The other one still has us a triple A. Keep in mind, um, in 2014, our credit rating was downgraded to a a double A before, right? Uh-huh. 2014, we actually had a default. I think, in my personal opinion, their rating downgrade is a little premature because we technically haven't had a default. The fact that we've gotten down to a wire, that was their excuse. You know, is the past two times in budgets we've gotten down to a wire, so they lowered the credit rating. We still haven't missed any debt payments. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that is clearly what defines whether whether um, you know you should be downgraded or not. So I, I don't I don't know what their reasoning was behind it, um, other than you know they said that uh, you know we're we're you know increasing our our debt without any resolve, increasing debt without resolve. Um, right. And then budget talks getting down to the wire. That was Fitch's, you know, response to take us to a double A. Why I told you that I think it's a, a little bit of a nothing burger. Mm-hmm. Um, even even Jamie Diamond of J.P. Morgan says it's a nothing burger. Um, you know, the bottom line is there's not many company or com- company, excuse me, there's not many countries mm-hmm. in the in world 
um, right. that have bonds that are A-rated, A-rated, right? That's still below U.S. that are in positive yields that people want to buy. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's the list is like, like it's so, Venezuela. Venezuela doesn't have great bonds. Yeah. <laughs> you want to buy those? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's how about Sri Lanka? Buy. While we're at it, you know, they, of course, they they scoot up I their saw, farming. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. I saw a, an article that was saying, um, you know, China created um, created a, a, a direct trading passage to Brazil. And hmm. this should be concerning to us, you know, and it's like, why? You know what I mean? Like, why? Why is it concerning? We still export like an in, inordinate amount of food and items to, you know, everywhere in South America. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so um, it, it, it's a. Uh, I don't know why it would be that important. You know what I mean? While it is a large economy, it's not one we're relying upon. Oh, by the way, their real or whatever their money is, is also manipulated by the government. And they also, um, you know, the bonds that they sell for their currency are junk bonds. You know, while they have a great return right now because their currency is kind of growing, um, you know, they're they're like triple B rated or something like that. They is it Brazil or China? Times. We're talking Brazil, Brazil or China here. Brazil, okay. Yeah, yeah. China, China's, China's bonds are actually, I want to say they're AAA rated or AA, one of the two. I'd have to go check. I want to say they're AAA, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, so so uh, how do you buy bonds in a communist country? <laughs> I mean, I, this is kind of a loaded question, but I just find it fascinating that uh, China does everything a capitalist country would do uh, except have a free market. <laughs> they've got everything else. They've got the yeah. money. They, they buy property. They invest. You know, they invest in other countries. They buy ports. They're in our, our Panama Canal. Yeah. They're in Brazil. They're in the Middle East. You know, they got mines in Africa with child labor, so for lithium, for solar stuff. You know, they're everywhere. And I, you know, that's yeah. not a problem for yeah. me, except the fact that they're a communist country that completely oppresses their own country. And uh, our, our, you know, coup d'état is using them as a model of, uh, you know, where we should go. <laughs> that's the problem with China. But the fact that China is, you know, doing market uh, capitalism is not a not an issue for me. But you know, and we should yeah. just out trade yeah. them. But it's just fascinating that a, a communist country, or a, in other words, it's almost, I, I don't know, is the term capitalist dictatorship? Does that does that make any sense? It's just there's seen a contradiction. Um, you know, I I, I really, um, you, you know, I wouldn't want to know, but you know, it's funny. Like when people want to have you know communist talks, China is the model that everybody yeah. wants. You know, mm-hmm. but but you know, um, uh, homelessness, homelessness, and you know, orphans, and and all the problems that we have exist mm-hmm. over there as well, right? Right. You know, is it is it kind of swept under the rug and not nationalized? Yeah, absolutely, it is. You know what I mean? But if you go over there, there are people that roam the streets, beg for money. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want to be a part of the system. So you know, they they share all the same problems we do. And like, if you want to talk about infrastructure, right? Um, you know, it's like, everybody's like, well, I mean, it's really good. Okay. The places that they want you to see are an extreme, you know, an extreme view. They do, they do pump mm-hmm. those up really, really, really well. You get outside of that, the infrastructure <laughs> falls apart like a wet city. You know yeah, I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. this isn't, this isn't just me talking from, from things I've been there, you know? So, uh, um, where'd you go in China? You know, I'm just curious. Where have you been? Um, Beijing, Beijing and, um, 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 then Lao and then um, uh, Beihai De and um, Xi'an. 
Oh, you have it on China. Well, this is kind of interesting. All right. Well, if you, if you have any, any more information on China, I think it would be fascinating to kind of explore a little more. I want to talk about um, credit ratings a bit just so people understand what they are and, and how they work. No, if you have more on China, feel free. But uh, I want to co- no. kind of go into a little bit of why it's a nothing burger and what a credit rating means. And is it similar to a card, your, your, your personal credit score, for example? Uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, so so when, yeah. You, when you have a credit rating, you know what I mean, consider uh, – I think the cut line for, for junk bonds are – hold on. Let me let me look it up real quick. Um, sure. Pitch credit, because I can't remember where their cut line is. There, there's uh, ratings. Chart. Let me look at a chart, because um, there's one of them that's a little bit different than the other one. Um uh, let's see here. Uh, S&P, Moody's, uh, and mm-hmm. Fitch. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So you have like triple triple A. S&P and Moody's are identical. Um, and then – or I'm sorry, uh, S&P and Fitch are identical. And then Moody's is a little bit different, right? So you have triple uh, A, which be- basically means your uh, chance of default is like point zero 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 one. Right, mm-hmm. you're not going to default. Everything is really, really good. When you go to double A, that means your chance goes up to like one to two percent, right? That's and then when you much. start getting, yeah, right. When you start getting into credit risk, um, you know, your the 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 cut line is triple B, you know. Mm-hmm. So triple B, uh, then it goes into if you get double B, it's likely to fill uh, fulfill obligations and ongoing uncertainty so that's that's mm-hmm. where that's where that's where brazil is right high credit huh. risk is b triple c I, I think the cut line for what they consider junk bonds is triple b you know so uh or it might be double b um you know i'd have to look at what it is and what that basically means is those are the ones that you know while they might pay higher interest because they mm-hmm. have higher risk um, you know, you, they have a chance that you might not get your payment. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, so you could get more money or no money. Good. What an option. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be able to afford The market, you know, the market reacts negatively to this because uh, I think um, what was the guy, the guy that was on Shark Tank, uh, you know, he, I, I think his comments kind of said it best. You know, he's like, hey, you know, do we want to advertise Cuban through the world? Or something like that. No, it, wasn't, it was the, 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 the ball guy. Um you know, um, God, what is his name? I, can't I, know, I didn't watch Shark Tank. Yeah, um, you know he's not on there anymore. He's oh. he's kind of an outspoken guy for for news outlets and things like that because you know <laughs> business development and whatnot. But anywho, you know his comments were, you know, this is something that we need to take very seriously because you know other countries are looking at us when we're the world's reserve currency. We're the currency that everybody needs a base you know, the way they do business off of, right? And right. we've, we've ca- capitalized on that globally. He says, and here we go. We continue to, you know, more frequently show the world that we can't manage our own debt problems. He says, so why would we want to continue to advertise that if we want to continue to make sure that we, you know, remain the world's reserve currency, which helps our economy enormously, right? Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, he just said that it's, you know, it's scary to him. Um, you know, I do think it's a nothing burger. I, I would say I would say it won't be a nothing burger if, you know, within the next, you know, four to five years, the government doesn't really, you know, start taking debt seriously and start managing that better. Then it might start to grow into a concern for me. 
Well, it was interesting. I was reading the, the Fitch thing. First of all, I read news articles about Fitch, and then I realized as I'm looking through the Internet, they actually had their own report. So, I mean, I always try to go to the, the, the most original or the, the original source, whatever it might be. So that's why I post Fitch, you know, tagged you on that as well. I didn't know who Fitch was. Fitch is British. Uh, I guess they're a, rating, yeah. a worldwide rating service. And so I guess they're associated yeah. with the FTSE, which is the British, uh, the London uh, Stock Exchange. Um, it's a great name for it. <laughs> I've, I've gotten some of the different ones they have. But anyway, um, Nikkei, I guess, is Tokyo. Uh, FTSE is, is, is yeah. London. But those, those are big financial centers. So New York, London, and Tokyo are the big financial world centers pretty much, right? Well, they and have the, uh, the Shanghai. Shanghai, uh, Shanghai, okay. Shanghai index. Yeah. Okay. Who else? Is, is there a Middle East one like Dubai or United Arab Emirates or one of those places? They have one of the worldwide centers, big financial centers? Ooh. I'm just hmm. curious. I don't yeah. know. They okay. might. Well, <laughs> I that's one yeah. I don't know the answer to. Well, like I say, I'm, you know, the, the the classic, you know, big Western world would be Tokyo, New York, and London. Uh, Sydney might be mm. a big one. Yeah, probably Sydney's not as big. But anyway, the point is that uh, the world is looking at the U.S. credit rating. And I think what's interesting, as you say, it's a nothing burger. It doesn't change, you know, people's daily lives. But what is fascinating to me is the reaction to it. In other words, they yelled, Janet Yellen yelled, you know, and uh, Powell and some of these other folks, how dare you downgrade us, you know, you miserable British twits, you know, and it's really funny. Yeah. It's like, well, it, it's like they're almost scolding them for doing their job. It's like, you know, right. they're trying to treat them, trying to treat Fitch like they treat, you know, American journalists. How dare you report real news about uh, President Biden that he's not president? How dare you, you know, tell right. the world that, that right. there's a recession, you know, until we've told you to tell them there's a recession, even though there's a recession for the last year. You know, stuff that we do on the show here all the time, right? You know, we're always calling yeah. it as yeah. we see it. Um, but it was fascinating that, and so these government people, you know, the, I, I, what kind of world do they live in? You know, that they, uh, they think that they can do anything they want. They can say we have to raise the debt ceiling to meet our obligations. And, and Fitch even said that's not true. What they said was that they, they raised their obligations, and then they have to raise, raise the debt ceiling to meet previous obligations, which is what I've been saying for like the last five years. But they actually said it too. It's right there. It's like, whoa. This yeah. is kinda, so, well, someone else is telling the truth. This is kind of cool. But I think it's, it's more that they took the, this arrogant action without permission from, the, from the, the, the worldwide powers that be. How dare they? How dare they say the U.S. credit rating is less than, than the credit rating really is? I mean, I think that's the real problem for the government is that someone did something that they hadn't already pre-approved, which is kind of interesting. Right. Hmm. No, I, I, you know, I would, I would, I would argue, um, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's entirely politically motivated, <laughs> but I would say that, <laughs> I think, that I think that there might be something lurking in the background yeah. there. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so bonds, we're talking bonds. So in other words, these are the bonds like treasury bonds that are issued by the government. So the government can borrow more yep. money, right? That's how it's connected. In. Okay. Right. So if, if they're, they're saying that the government has less chance of paying back what they're really doing. Well, actually they, they said there's a lack of governance. Uh, when I read the article, they talked about how the budget deals, budget negotiations, the stalemates, the compromises, you know, the Inflation Act that actually raised inflation and all this other kind of stuff. So, so what they're worried about is the, the government's ability to, uh, I guess, do what a lot of governments do, which is just, you know, they just do stuff. Here we actually debate things. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, and I think that kind of – so it, they called it governance. I'm not sure the difference between gun, governance and government, but apparently they're two different things. But that's what they were concerned with that they don't think we have the ability um, to make a decision on the debt. And I think they've got a point. 
and we've been saying this for years, that we have to take away the power of Congress to borrow money because they're obsessed with it. They're, they're insane. They're irrational. They think they can do it forever. They don't see that at some point, you know, the debt is, is shortly, the interest on the debt is going gonna, is gonna to be bigger than our defense budget, if it isn't already. Uh, I think they said in, in uh, five years, interest on the national debt, or, or, whenever it, or maybe when it gets up to $50 trillion, the interest is going to be $2.5 trillion. Well, we only take in $5 trillion in revenue. So mm-hmm. to me, interest, interest is like dead money. It's money you pay that you get nothing for, because you, know, you have to pay it, of course, because you're obliged to pay it, but uh, you don't get anything for it. You know, when you invest in something, right. you get something for it. You've got a tangible investment. You can sell it, trade it. It can make you dividends. It can make you interest. It can make you income. Uh, it can do all kinds of things. But it's, it's real. There's something there. But interest payments mm-hmm. are like dead money. There's nothing, you know, if you're paying credit card interest or, or, or the government's paying bond interest, um, you're getting nothing for it. You have to do it. But, I mean, so, so interest payments are like the worst things in the world to have. And if our interest payments are half our entire federal revenue, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think it is. Well, well, how about this? If your interest payments are half your federal revenue mm-hmm. and um, you're spending more than the other half, that's a real problem. You yeah, know, I mean, they're, they're talking about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, if we were only spending you know one trillion per year, we're banking the other trillion, and it's paying mm-hmm. it's paying off the debt. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, no no big issue there, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, at it, that rate, if if you know there was really no inflation, all things being equal, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean, it would take us what thirty years to to pay that back. Okay, that's fair. You know yeah. what I mean? But uh, well, that's, that's you know, that's are our, we that's spending my plan. a trillion? Well, yeah, that's my no, plan. We because just, our defense what? budget's seven hundred mm-hmm. billion. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. So it's like, gee, where's the other three hundred billion going? Well, right now it's freaking Ukraine. You know, <laughs> so it's like, you know. I, yeah, so I, I guess we're already. That's yeah. Now we got problems, no, yeah. you know. Yeah. So if all right, so you, it's easy to spend. Yeah. So if we have five trillion in revenue, two trillion goes to interest, one trillion goes to defense in Ukraine. Uh, that leaves you one and a half trillion left. Well, I mean, Social Security costs that much, <laughs> you know. So, and, and all of a sudden, so that means that a lot of government departments ain't going to be funded, you know. And you want to talk about shutdowns? So yeah. the as. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the thing to do is plan now, folks. Don't wait for the crisis. Uh, so, so here's the question. Are these people just not seeing it? They don't care. They have no grasp on reality. Uh, they figure they'll spend their money, you know, and then just get out before it crashes. What, what goes on in these people's minds, do you think? I mean, obviously, it's speculative. For what? But, uh, what, well, what do you, what do you they ask? know. Well, I, this, is, this is like a rationality test. They know they can't keep borrowing. Because sooner or later, they're going to borrow so much they can't pay it back. They don't seem mm-hmm. to care. They're racing to – in fact, they even got rid of the debt. So there's no debt ceiling, quote, unquote, until 2025. And even when we had one, they made obligations above it. They, they spent money that they didn't have. And then they said, we have to raise the, the debt ceiling to cover the money that we spent that we didn't have. That's, that's bizarre, too. So the psychology yeah. of this is very strange. I mean, where did they learn their economics? You know, fantasy land, you or I something. Would, I mean, what? Uh, you know, go ahead. I would argue that the next that the next kick in the teeth is going to be the the cut to the military budget. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's uh, uh it, you know they, they've really run out of places to go. You know, hmm. I mean, um, you know, and 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 I hate to say this, but you know, let's just say, I I think I think you know whoever whoever wins the presidency is going to be on the hook to do something about the budget 
You know, mm-hmm. so if it's the Republicans and, you know, they decide to go after the military, man, I mean, they're they're really going to piss off their voter base, you know, mm-hmm. like a big, yeah. a big portion of their voter base. Right. You know, what I mean, they're very pro-military. Um, you know, I'm not saying that some Democrats aren't. You know, what I mean, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, hey, the predominance of them, you know, mm-hmm. are are going to be, you know, conservatives. Right. If it's. Well, if yeah. It's, and military tangible, you're talking about, right? yeah go ahead adversely you know um um you know they're going to be doing programs or they're going to want to pitch programs um and they're they're going to go after the military so you know i mean it, they always they always really do i'm surprised biden hasn't done it yet you know what i mean they have they have a little bit they've cut some of the funding to um military research projects they've cut some of the funding to um, you know, military expansion projects, but they Space have Force. plenty of money. Huh? Space Force. They have plenty of money to to change all the base names, right? You know, so so you know, it's it's it, it, you know, it's it, to me. I mean, it, listen, I know I don't really care that they're changing the base names. Okay, yeah. like that that really doesn't bother me. Actually, to be quite honest, the name change at Fort Benning, which I spent a lot of time on, to Fort Moore, I think is amazing. Right? That man, oh, okay. you know. Uh, you know, what, what, uh, general Moore did, you know, that, that was in honor of, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the guy, uh, Mel Gibson played and we were soldiers once and young him and Sergeant oh, Major Plumley. That guy. Actually, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That, that's a good yeah. change. I don't even know who Fort Benning was. I, I actually, you I know, actually got Benning. a chance to meet them both before they really? passed away. Um, huh. you know, so yeah, they, they used to come to Fort Benning and, and do, uh, you know, do talks and, and speeches and stuff. And, and, um, you know, I mean, these guys are, are, are freaking, you know, amazing for, for what they did, you know, and, and what yep. they were put up against. So name change like that. I, I mean, okay. Yeah. I'm all for that. That's, that's great. Yeah. The problem that I, that I see with it, you know, being, being a little, a little two-sided here, a name change <laughs> is not just a name change, right? Yeah. How much, how much money do they have to spend in signage for all the signs around the post? Right. You know, yep. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The next thing, doctrine, right? All the military doctrine that they've got to go in and change, you know, that has the post listed, you know, the military stuff. So so when they do a name change, I mean, you know, it's a gut punch financially, right? It's a, it's a big chunk of money, um, wow. you know, and then they're changing. I can't which, remember which base it is. Is it is it Hood or, or Bragg? They're changing to Fort Liberty. You know, it's like, okay, you could you could have found somebody. You know, Medal of Honor <laughs> recipient, somebody, yeah. you know, like put a name on it for, for God's sake. Know. You know what I mean? I, you know, someone comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? They've got one um, that they're Fort naming, Washington. Um, you know, that, that was after the, 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 the first uh, Black Medal, Medal of Honor recipient. Okay, that's that's awesome. You know what I mean? That's yeah. great. I'm, yeah. I'm happy that, that we can do stuff like that. I wish they would do more of that. You know, um, yeah. Fort Liberty, come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> who, who Whose idea was that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, fire that person. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should uh, we should get to the report. I don't think we've even covered it. We've been having so much fun chatting about this other stuff. But I think we I think <laughs> we put the credit rating to rest. But uh, yeah, so, so don't worry about that too much. But it's just interesting. Uh, I think the criticism of government is the most significant and their reaction to it. Well, let's get the report. Let's see what the numbers yep. are, and uh, and we'll uh, discuss whatever we have in the time you have available. Sounds good. All right. Um, Good morning, everybody. This is Derek with the Action Radio Economic Report. Stocks fall and yields rise for a second day in a row. The stocks fell uh, building on yesterday's sell-off as investors consider the effects of the economy from a downgrade in the U.S. government's credit rating. The real estate and utility sectors were the biggest laggards, down more than 1% each. 
real estate and utility companies are typically more rate sensitive than any other sectors, and today's move reflects the rising yield environment. Bond prices were also lower as yields rose with the 10-year Treasury bond um, almost across the 4.2 mark, um, missing or closing near 4.19. In our opinion, it was generally a risk-off day and a fight to safety as the U.S. dollar hit a four-week peak. International markets were also lower along with gold. The price of gold and oil seemed to have stabilized – I'm sorry, excuse me. The price of oil seems to have stabilized around $80 a barrel. Uh, U.S. equities closed lower today with the Dow Jones down 67 points or 0.19 to 35,215. NASDAQ closed down 14 points or 0.1 to 13,960. And the S&P 500 closed down 12 points or 0.26 to 4,502. Again, in the bond market, Treasury yields are trading at 4.19%. Uh, in the commodity markets, uh, markets, the price of crude oil was up $2.20 or 2 um uh, I'm sorry, $2.20 or 2.77, uh, and at $81.69, or at $81.69. Spot price of gold was down $6.40, or down 0.32 to 19.68. Uh, this is Derek with the Action Radio uh, Financial Report. Uh, you can get me at 850-995-0082. Um, utilities, you mentioned something about that in our rush to convert everything to electricity. Uh, and we've just, I think, uh, incandescent bulbs just got banned, you know, as far as I'm concerned, illegally, because that's just plain stupid. You can't deny Americans, you know, our product choices, uh, especially when they're the decent products, but the, the, the banning of gas cells, the banning of everything that's not electric, the, the mandating of electric cars and, and some states are trying to get rid of, uh, you know, organic fuel cars, uh, who is it? What I call them gasoline and diesel. Um, What's happening to the utilities? Uh, you know, we've got a we've only so much power grid because the liberal states aren't building power plants, so the power grid's limited. They're converting more and more to electricity. Yeah. There's going to be larger demands on it, and we got 15 million extra illegals in this country, and they all use electricity. Has anybody yeah. thought about what's going to happen with our electric grid? Sure, they have, but I haven't seen anything. I mean, there has been people with all these electric car pushes talking mm-hmm. about what it's going to do. I mean, I've actually seen some of those talks in Congress. Where they're like, hey, has anybody considered that we're already at like 85 to 90 percent capacity for the power grid? And then if you even add like 10 percent electric cars, that puts us over what our capacity is to produce power. Uh Um, You know, and they're like, well, you know, I mean, we're their, their response to that was, you know, we're improving infrastructure as we're improving the car stuff. But, you know, I've also seen other guys and specialists that they brought in, and they said, look, the power grid is not being increased more efficiently or faster than uh, the request for power. You know, so, yeah, and the, uh, and the power they are generating is being generated by coal, oil, natural gas, and uranium. You know, the organic right. fuels, <laughs> the, the, you know, and electricity, I mean, the solar and wind, the solar um, is is dangerous, everything from, uh, you know, child labor to the pollution to the batteries you have to dispose of. Wind power is killing the birds, killing birds of prey, and it's killing whales in the ocean. There's nothing good from these things. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want wind power, you know, get a sailboat. <laughs> At least it doesn't do any damage. You know, there's wind power. Right. Or, or if everybody had like a little windmill on their house. When I was in Australia, the outback, and every little outback town you go to in Australia, they all have these little windmills, these, these two-blade aluminum windmills whipping around on their, on their rooftops because there's always wind and mm-hmm. it's always hot. You know, and they have solar panels because mm-hmm. it doesn't rain for five years. <laughs> you know, so it makes sense. 
Um, yeah. But it, in a lot of places, the, the whole idea of these wind farms, in other words, solar and wind is better at an individual level. You know, solar panels on your roof, great idea. Solar panels, you know, taking over acres and acres and acres of, of potentially really good farmland, you know, focusing your, your solar rays on a, on a water tower in the center as birds melt as they fly by, not a good idea. You know, right. acres and acres of, of uh, windmills in the ocean where the whales are getting killed and uh, everything else is happening there. It's a good big, some ship's going to run into it. It's the new Titanic. It's just waiting to happen. Well, you know, somebody's going to be off the desert. You know, where nobody, no inhabitants live and just put solar panels. You know what I mean? Solar panels and wind farms. Yeah. But but again, I think it's better at the individual level. Why would you have to do it on on a mass scale? And what's wrong, you know? Seeing Elon Musk talk on that? No, tell me. You you know, he says something like um, 100 square miles, square miles of of solar panels could, could supply power for the whole U.S. You know, and he's so. like, he's he's got a talk where he says that, and he's like, he he jokingly says, he says, look, he says you could take like the whole southern corner of Utah. He's like, trust me, there's nothing there. I've been there. Well, nothing to him anyway. Yeah. Well, right. So I mean, you know, I mean, I guess his argument is, is like, you know, hey, if we if we just did this with solar panels, you know, and maintain them, you know, we could mm. supply the whole U.S. You know, and it's and it's funny, you know, you know. um Think about this for a second. All the people talking about utilities that mm-hmm. started doing the, the solar stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. As soon as that started taking off, what did the power company do? They changed their rate to make it more money for them to make because they realized they were losing money. So now right. you know that it's a money game, right? You know, so what did California do? California did uh, in some of their counties, these people were getting solar because their power bill – they charged them the connection charge like triple whatever yep. it was, and their court yep. charge was even higher. So they were paying what they were paying before. Yeah, you know, oh, so yeah. I mean, it almost defeats <laughs> the purpose of of having right. dang solar. You know, yeah. it's a, uh, you know, it, it's nuts. You know, and and it's almost like racketeering. <laughs> you know, it's like ridiculous. Well, no, it's guaranteed income. It's protection. You know, we will they, they will yeah. get their same amount no matter what. Uh, California, I remember yeah. um, they had uh, the people. They told us all to conserve gasoline, and as the price went up, we all bought you know for or not we but not me but to me, you know well actually I had a wonderful Toyota Celica nineteen seventy seven you know, back in the eighties looked like it looked like a Mustang it was, it was my it was my early Mustang, um, but a lot of us drove four cylinder cars. I mean almost everybody in in, in the Bay Area in San Francisco drives a four-cylinder imported car. You just do, the, the, or, or a Tesla. Yeah. You're kind of required, uh, or, or a Prius. Um, but the point is that we can we conserve so much gasoline that California raised the gasoline tax because they weren't getting enough money. Right. <laughs> you know, so they don't care. They still want their money. Yeah. But but the, but overall planning, um, I don't even I don't I would I would argue it's unconstitutional to deny Americans a, a, our choice of energy. Um, if it's especially if the only source is government. If electricity to me is government energy because it comes from a public regulated utility, whereas gasoline comes from a private company, the oil companies. And so we have much more control over how much gasoline we use by simply being able to afford it. You know, if you have a V12, you know, truck and you want to drive it, you know, with like huge wheels, things like that, and you can afford it, who cares? But the government's going to come along and say, well, we're only going to give you so much electricity. In fact, in California, they have brownouts. They shut off the power. So you've got to drive an electric car. Oh, by the way, but you can't drive it, you know, during the summertime because we don't have the electricity for you. Right. They can't right. do that. 
you know, yeah. but this is the thing. They're forcing us into a power system that they don't have enough of. And that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. So, yeah, it's, hmm. it's uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that it's a problem right now, but uh, damn sure going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still think we have a choice of energy. Um, but uh, the other thing, too, just one last point I was going to make, the, the gas the gas stations, the oil companies build their own gas stations. We don't have to pay a, a tax for the oil companies to build, you know, their Texaco, their Chevron, their BP, their Shell stations, you know, uh, or all the other Tom Thumbs around here and things like that. But, uh, but they want us to pay for electric charging stations out of our tax dollars. That's mm-hmm. wrong, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope, I, okay. I do. But, okay. uh, hey, I, I got to wrap it up, Greg. I gotta, That's gotta, fine. I got a gig I got to get to here in about 45 minutes. Gig. Go for it. Thanks for your report. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll talk next week. No problem. Or not. Yep. No, we should, <laughs> should be on next week. No worries. Okay, if, if I got to change, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thank you, All sir. Right. Yep. You take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, I love talking to Derek. It was the only chance I really get to talk economics all week, so it's really kind of fun. Fridays are fun anyway. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm hoping uh, Jonathan Mosley calls in in a little bit because I was talking to Jonathan off the air. Uh, he, I don't think he wants to wait till Monday because <laughs> there's so much happening with Trump's indictment um, and some of the things. I've got uh, an interesting thing I've been uh, working on. Uh, uh, my favorite uh, section of law, Title 18, Section 241. Uh, and I think these idiots have totally opened up the ability of us to bring them to court. I don't even think they know they've done it because they're so wrapped up in their own ideology and their own knowledge. People only see things from their own point of view. And I mean, I really, I mean, I do too, but I, I really try and look at, uh, at different sides of arguments so that I can use them. But uh, people, they, they don't act, you know, they don't act in their own interest. Uh, they're acting in our interest here. So I'm going to take a break. What's, what's it now? Uh, 8.04, 8.04 Central Time. Hopefully Jonathan will be on soon. And then uh, I'll probably I'll try contacting him during the break now. Uh, and then I'll be back and uh, we'll uh, either I'll do it myself or we'll have Jonathan or who knows. All right. Talk to you in a bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, so for here, the rest of the show, it's just improv. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of material. Uh, I got some potential callers. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dennis, uh, who might, who's on his way to the border, might be checking in. He's got a mission down there. Hopefully, he's taking our bills um, to the Border Patrol. Uh, I used to know some of those folks, uh, Art Del Cueto, Cueto and uh, Brandon Judd, the, the Border Patrol folks. Um, I don't know if they remember me. I've tried to write them uh, since, but I met them at the 2017 uh, fair conference in Washington. That's the Federation for American Immigration Reform. That's where I met a lot of people. Um, uh, Michelle Malkin, I met, interviewed her. Uh, I just interviewed all these incredible people, people who'd lost their, their kids to illegal aliens. Um, uh, Michael Harrison, who runs uh, Talkers Magazine, was there. The president of FAIR was there. All these different folks. And it's the only thing that my station, WEBY, lost. They lost all those interviews. And that's why I haven't been able to present them. But those are fabulous interviews. And so uh, I, I managed to snag all of them. But uh, that was the week I was gone. And somebody else was, was filling in, you know, uh, while I was on uh, convention. And uh, it was really too bad. But uh, those, were, those were great interviews. Anyway, so we'll, we'll get back. We're going to all talk to them uh, uh, when we can. Anyway, oh, Pianchi's got a big note here that says simulated convention of states. After roll call, invocation, and the Pledge of Allegiance, commissioners were tasked with selecting a president of the convention. Interesting. During the first round of voting, 23 states voted for Louisiana Rep. Woody Jenkins. Don't know who that is. 17 states voted for Arkansas Senator Jason Rapport. Rapport. R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Don't know who that is either. And eight states voted for Oklahoma Rep. Rod 
Dandridge. Here we go. No candidate won the majority. Okay, well, you guys can read the rest of it. The full assembly then split off into three committees, which commissioners, let's see what those committees were. We had chair of the term limits and federal judicial jurisdiction committee. We had someone else chair of the federal legislative and executive jurisdiction committee and chair of the fiscal restraints committee. Well, that's interesting. So Pianchi and I have a running dispute over the convention of states. My contention is that once you officially start a convention of states, uh, it becomes just like a constitutional convention and everything's open. And Pianchi contends just the opposite, that they can be strictly limited um, to certain areas and they can't go beyond that. I don't think that's going to happen because I think the liberal states are going to crash it. They're going to demand to come in. The liberal media is going to come in. The Republicans are going to cave. And we'll, they'll emerge with a brand new constitution. And we're going to have a, a much bigger fight on our hands. What I would prefer um, is that the folks going into the constitutional convention have their amendments drafted ahead of time and say, this is, these, this is what we're talking about. No language changes, no nothing. Uh, and if they do that, they'll be in a lot better shape. Uh, I still don't favor it, um, but uh, we'll see how it goes, which then brings to the topic of, of one of the things I want to do here, which is a constitutional amendment to take the power of Congress to borrow money. Now, normally amendments start in the Congress and then go to the states. Uh, the Constitution says if they go to the states, then they have to go to a convention of states and then to the Congress. So my new procedure for the constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money is that it go to the states by resolution. So in other words, it's not binding. They're not ratifying, but they're expressing their opinion that this is what we want. And hopefully a bunch of states will do that. And then they start putting restrictions on the federal government. In other words, unless you you know, sponsor this amendment, we're going to, you know, not uh, do this. We're not going to pay for that. We're not going to hold your offices. We're going to, you know, various restrictions. We're not going to send money for whatever. That's what I hope the states do uh, by resolution. So then it goes to Congress. And this is how you avoid a convention of states uh, of your whole constitution become, you know, becoming up for a vote and discussion. So you take our amendment, uh, the states, hopefully enough states will ratify it. Lots of states will ratify it, way more than the two-thirds required to, to actually pass it. Then it goes to Congress. Congress goes, oh, gee, I don't want this, but, you know, I guess everybody will, you know, wants us to do it. Uh, and hopefully by peer pressure of the states and of the people, Congress actually ratifies um, the, uh, the amendment that says they can't borrow any more money. Then it goes to the states for official ratification after the states have passed it by resolution. That's how I would like to see it happen. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that, that would make the most sense to me to avoid the Convention of States. Um, by uh, and the danger of the, the whole constitution being up for a vote as opposed to a specific amendment. And so that's why I want that amendment process to go forward. All right. Well, what's the big news? The big news, <laughs> yeah, the exciting news, um, is that Trump was indicted yet again, which means his poll numbers are going up. Okay, we all know that. Yesterday we went over the, the six, quote, co-conspirators. We went over the charges. We went over a lot of stuff yesterday um, to, uh, to figure all this stuff out. In fact, let me pull up my... Uh, my many, many articles on this. We have that, that New York Post one. The New York Post one was hysterical. That was so funny. I should see if I can find uh, where I put it. CNN, CNN, New York Post. This is the last Newsweek. I may have to go back to Facebook and find it. I think I actually uh, got rid of it. Um, but uh, I can pull it up again. Easy to find. Do, 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 do. New York Post. New York Post, New York Post. Where is my New York Post case from? All these articles I have, and I pull up one that I, I don't have anymore. Uh, post opinion, New York Post. I know it's back here just a little bit. Don't mind me. <laughs> uh, I'll find it here real quick. Oh, who are the six co-conspirators? Yeah, that's the article. 
the six co-conspirators went over this yesterday in such great detail. Let me pull it up again here and add it to my long list of articles. But it talks about, this is from uh, uh, Caitlin Dumbos, D-O-O-M-B-O-S, who I called Caitlin Dumbass yesterday, because it seems to make sense. Um, talking about uh, what Trump's charges are. So let me just take this article here. I'm just doing a little plank. Don't mind me. Probably should have done this during the break, but I didn't think of it. Copy that. Do that. Get rid of that. I try to keep my uh, my websites to a minimum uh, on the show. Otherwise, the signal gets uh, kind of crashed. But we'll just, we'll just add this one in here right now. All right. So what's going on? Well, we know Trump charges. In fact, I'm going to go over them with you right now uh, and let you know what's happening. But what is fascinating to me is I think they've opened the door um, to a huge challenge. I don't even think they realize they've done it. And so the huge challenge is the fact that they've opened the door to Section uh, uh, 241 of Title 18. Now, Title 18 is basically the criminal code. Now, we've already proved that there's only three, uh, three charges, uh, three crimes that the federal government has jurisdiction over. I'm not going to do that again. I did that already this week, those being treason, piracy, uh, and counterfeiting. And so because of that, because of the fact that the Department of Justice does not handle any of those crimes, neither treason nor piracy nor counterfeiting, counterfeiting a secret service, treason is Congress and probably the U.S. Marshals to arrest them, and piracy is the military, Coast Guard, you know, National Guard, state police, like that. From, from trucking hijacking to airplane hijacking to ship hijacking, uh, piracy is handled way. So there's no need for a Department of Justice. You know, but yet they're uh, taking on uh, Trump. Now, what is fascinating is that they, they've pulled, one of the provisions they pulled is a, a section that I have wanted to be used against government for a long time. But one of the reasons I don't think it happened was because uh, government people have immunity. You know, you can't, you can't prosecute them for them just doing their regular job. Otherwise, government could be sued for anything and they never get anything done. One would argue that could be a possibility, too. But the point is that we didn't think government uh, officials could be sued um, or prosecuted, you know, under a lot of the normal statutes that other folks can be. Well, guess what? <laughs> Jack Smith has proven that that's not true. And so what he uh, did by using Title 18, one conspiracy against rights, he's saying that Trump, as a government official, violate, conspired to violate the rights of Americans. We pointed out yesterday. Uh, well, they also said that uh, he knowingly made false statements. This is one of the big claims of this case. He knowingly made false statements, and that's somehow a crime. Right. And we that that's fraud. Right. Well, we prove that everybody in government, no one makes false statements. Anybody that runs for off runs for office, makes false statements. Um, it happens all the time. Just Jonathan, let me bring him on right now. And because this is going to be fascinating um, to go over. Jonathan, I'm just kind of uh, just getting started here uh, with our chat. But uh, the big charge, I guess we can start here, is Jack Smith. Uh, he's opened the door until 18, Section 241. We can get into that. But this idea that they're charging Trump with knowingly making false statements. Well, what person campaigns for office and doesn't knowingly make false statements? Every broken promise is, is knowingly making a false statement. So you could say that a political campaign in and of itself is fraud, if that's your standard of justice. Should we start there? Good morning. Well, uh, so many, but good morning. So many, sorry, sorry to be late. I got, had some. I'm sorry, don't worry about it. I can vamp. Actions. Yeah. They. Um, so there's so many places to start, but yes, this is. This is true. As I've been trying to warn people, um, the January 6th uh, prosecutions in general are, uh, are assault on the First Amendment. Um, 
the government will object and the judges will object to you know, two things. One is that um, well, uh, the, the um, First Amendment does not immunize things mm-hmm. that are that are criminal, and so they'll just dodge the issue. Um, and they'll say that all we're doing is is, is trying to show intent um, about some other crime. It's like you know trying to prove that somebody did commit the other crime. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, of course, they're going way, way beyond that. And, you know, we pointed out and in, in putting into uh, pleadings that are out there that what mm-hmm. they're actually, you can still, you can hear me pretty well, can't you? Yeah. Your phone distorted slightly a little bit a minute ago, but now it's good. So we're good. Okay. So, so the thing. Oh, now you just cut out. <laughs> he just asked me, and then it disappeared. Let's get you back. No, again. that was that was decided to go on mute itself. Okay, now, but, now you're but back. The thing okay. is, is, that, uh-huh. is that they're going, they're, they're using the, those two excuses. It's like, for example, if you, <clears throat> you know, if if I beat somebody over the head uh-huh. while expressing my opinion, I'm still beating them beating them over the head. The fact yeah. that I'm expressing opinion doesn't doesn't alter the action. Uh-huh. So they've been using those two excuses all along. Um, and it's been getting, you know, all these things that we've been warning about are yep. getting, you know, more and more extreme. And, you know, now to the point where everybody is is um, seeing it and is pointing out that, mm-hmm. you know, they're, no, they're just, they're just criminalizing differences of opinion. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I thought that was obvious you know, for a year and a half, and now um, well, it's, it's was. Come. Well, the thing is, everybody else. You know, yeah. Right. I mean, the thing is, is that when when nobody's pushing back with the resources to do it, <clears throat> they just keep getting bolder and bolder and bolder. Quite obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's happening. So yes. Yeah, so so you have, um, and I didn't hear the thing. You have four counts. I got them right which, in front of me. Yeah, I got them right here. If you need them. Are I, I, one of the reasons I was up late is um, we've got a friend of the court brief, and I'm trying to put together the, the team to do that to mm-hmm. further um, push back on this 18th um, USC 1512, which are two of the counts. That's count and, two, right, yeah. Uh, Conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. I've got that right here. Yeah. Count, count number two. Count uh-huh. three, and count three is the attempt to do so. Right. Yep. Under K. So two of the four, it, it, and right now the Supreme Court is being asked huh. to review <coughs> 1512 and whether it a- applies <coughs> to this situation, which of course it does not. Right. And, um, and there's a circuit court, court of appeals decision as well that's pending. Mm-hmm. And we really need, and again, all these bums who, you know, who represent Trump or other things, they don't do a damn thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, for a few, for a few thousand bucks in a signer who, um, in, who's admitted in the Supreme Court, we can try to push back on that. That would make mm-hmm. two of the four counts go away. Um, the, uh, the first count, of course, is criminal conspiracy. Right. And, and it's 40 pages, roughly, of mm-hmm. um, um, they uh, um, 
at, at you know that uh, of just basic, basically a liberal uh, you know paranoid conspiracy theory. It's like it's like the, um, the the forty pages of the criminal conspiracy are are written as if they were written by you know the Huffington Post or the Daily <laughs> Well, and the first count takes like like ninety five percent of the indictment. Counts two, three, and four right. are just like the last page. <laughs> It's really funny. Well, let me just stop here for a second because I got some really good news for you, and I want you to call Wednesday, uh, 10 a.m. Central, because we got Christina Bob, and so this will be your chance right. to talk directly to Trump's attorney, uh, Trump's advisor, and uh, you know, spend a couple minutes on J6 stuff, and we'll we'll talk off the air about because we only have her for a short time, so I want to kind of really focus. But I want to introduce you to, and, and see if you can get connected because I want I want all of us connected with the Trump campaign because I think we all have something. Well, to offer. she um. Yeah, but she'll be on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she should. Let's. I'm just going through my, my brain whether, uh, and we could we could ask her about it. There's, I got to make sure that the rules on an amicus brief. She's one of the good ones. I was going to say. Oh yeah, um, Alina. Also, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Alina Habib, uh, whatever. She's also excellent. But yeah. a lot of the other ones. Yeah, we've had Christine on the show, and she, she was great. Uh, but we only have her for a short mm-hmm. time, so I want to talk to you off the air. Like I say, we want to focus in on exactly, you know, what we want to talk about. But I want to introduce you. Introduce you well, one thing I want to do is ask uh-huh. you, including on the air, if, uh, like last time in 2020, if Action Radio would like to be, you know, yes. one of the friends of the court. Absolutely. Uh, um, and... Um, you know, we will we'll have to, to work on it. We'll have to work work on how to get you. Um, <clears throat> get well, I'm still trying to find it. out. I'm still trying to find out if I'm on the Children's Health Defense uh, list um, for the uh, uh, the censorship case. You know, so you, you've got so you told me about a website. I don't know if I have to join join it or something, or maybe if you have nothing better to do for a few minutes, you know, let me know. But uh, I've tried contacting them, and and they're so busy. It's impossible to get through. Although I do have some interesting new uh, contacts with uh, Robert Francis Kennedy, which I'll have to tell you off the air too. But things are happening in that regard well, too. Think, so I, things are I going crazy right now. Uh huh. When it comes when it comes to being part of a legal proceeding, right. um, if you're not sure, then you're not because they would have to um, they would have to do some level of formality. To 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 finalize it, they have your authority to represent you. And I'm that already kind of it. Uh, I'm supposed to be on. We've got. Well, I'll tell you how we've communicated off the air. Oh, Marco checks in, in in the Netherlands. He's listening this morning also. He says, "Did you get everything out of your throat?" Because <laughs> when you cough, they can hear it. So you might want to just back. Well, I do. I that. don't know what I don't know what <laughs> the problem is there, but they, they the doctor says they're just. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, okay. It's just allergy, so don't worry about it too much. But, oh, I'm not uh, worried about it. Yeah, Marco, don't worry about it. He's fine. <laughs> We've been living at this for a while, but uh, well, I mean, I've got, got yeah, I've got other like you know, not I've got other like you know personality problems, but um, but <laughs> um, but I'm I'll, I'll I'll live through I'll live through the interview. Yeah, um, so yeah. um, so anyway, the um, mm-hmm. so, let's, so let's get back to your question. Yeah. which is what is this thing and what, and <clears throat> so the, the, of course people, the, the, the government charges people with conspiracy. Usually when they can't, they can't win on the, the basic case. Hmm. Conspiracy is, is usually, you know, is usually the dodge when um, 
they, they can't make out a, a proper case for something. And uh, as other people say, usually conspiracy is connected with the actual underlying thing. Having a conspiracy to do something that mm-hmm. um, stands on its own is, is unusual, uh, hmm. they say. It's also, it's also unusual in the sense that what they're alleging in this 40 pages of and the thing is, you know, your your audience should probably read it. Yeah. The, your your audience should read it, but you won't hear anything new. I mean, it, it you know it, it could have been transcribed from MSNBC. Um, there's actually nothing there. Well, I've that, got it here. I, I've already. I think I've already posted. I'll, I'll double check. But it basically, uh, the counts are conspiracy to defraud the United States. Uh, as if they think they are the United States, right? Conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, which is what they did during the coup. I mean, everything they're charging Trump with is what they did. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, they're, they're charging mm-hmm. Trump with, with having, a, like you say, having a difference of opinion. In other words, they're saying that yeah. he's making false claims. Now, here's the big question. The big question is that does this not uh, allow Trump in his defense because if they're saying he's making false claims that the election was stolen, all they need to do is prove that the election was stolen uh, and that's that's legitimate defense, and they can't stop that, right? Or can they? <clears throat> yes, except that hypocrisy is the overriding principle of the <laughs> okay. Democrats, the liberals, and and the then the court system. So, by right. any logic, <clears throat> um, yes, they they have just opened the door to bringing into court whether the election of 2020 was was legitimate or not. And, you know, they keep saying that we couldn't, you know, the courts wouldn't hear it. Well, they have to hear it now. We can hear it now. So and he can bring in John Eastman, um, Rudy Giuliani. And I think that every organization and every group out there should. Yeah. The Arizona audit. Seize on the opportunity to to, to Uh make that case outside of court. Right. um, In preparation for that, because Uh now now it's now we I don't know if it's. Again, hypocrisy is the way, but it's now okay to talk about it. Right. In fact, we have to talk about it, and I would suggest talking about it in the mm-hmm. context of what is um, going to happen in the trial. So it's well, now they, okay. they open the door, as they say, right? I mean, this is what they call opening the door. You know, in other words, yep. Trump couldn't have brought up the election. They wouldn't let Marjorie Taylor, or at least her lawyers, didn't bring it up when they were accusing her. So. Uh, this is just a weird threat. This is just a weird thing to me. What they're saying is you can't say you can't have an opinion. You can't have a different opinion. You can't say the election was stolen because that's somehow a conspiracy and a violation that that's a fraud. But he's just saying it. He doesn't do anything about it. He's just saying it. And that's somehow a crime. This is mm-hmm. bizarre. This is, this is loony land. You know, uh... Hey, Pianchi, go ahead. I'm between you and watching this simulated convention of the states with what 49 representatives, representatives from 49 states is present. And we got a lot of black representatives from states too, like Kansas, Indiana. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, I was at a meeting last night and uh, there was two candidates for secretary of state for the state of Louisiana, the black female and white male. It both was elegant. And they reveal that Dominion software is proprietary, meaning that you can't look into it. That is the missing piece of the puzzle 
of how the election was stolen. Yeah, we want to that. You can't look into that. You can't look into that. You can't look into that software. And you know these states. Uh, this state is going to a paper ballot. It's audited, and the results will be available shortly after the polls is closed. Yeah, but uh, I, uh, they can I, wait for. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go. I want to stick with, with Jonathan for a bit because I don't know how much time he has. Anyway, so we can, you guys we keep on going. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't go away. Don't go away, Pianki. I want to talk about it, but I just want to make sure we get well, to, me, we get this case put covered. Together, um, that, sure. Like I say, because it, I mean, as we set offline last last night is like here. here let me back up. First of all, I think that we should be in, in, not embracing. What's the word? We should be <clears throat> pouncing on all of these things. Outside right. of court, because this is going to be several months. Even, you know, even in your social media and everything like that, if you couch it in terms of here's what's going to happen in the trial, how are they going to say you can't talk about it right. when it's the case? And I think that we should shape the battlefield by getting the truth out there. And <clears throat> all the people saying, you know, we should move on, which is the stupidest thing to say. I mean. How mm-hmm. can you move? I mean, the thing is, anybody anybody who says that we should move on is not moving anywhere. They're just more of the fake Republicans who are just, you know, they want to, they just want everyone to love them, and they just want to stand there and be, you know, you know, march in the uh, in the parades and, and everything like that. But they don't have the concept of actually doing anything. I'm mm-hmm. arguing with somebody right now online who. You know, they're, they're still of the idea that we want a candidate that we can look up to. And I'm saying, no, we want a candidate who's going to put on his overalls with his butt crack showing and get in there and fix the damn pipes. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we do not want a, a candidate that we put up on a pedestal. We want someone yeah. who goes in there and knocks down walls. Um, you know, we want someone who rips the head off our enemy. Um, and, but there's this whole school of thought that a candidate is supposed to be the guy who you know, gets introduced at the, the charity ball and um, <clears throat> gets up and says nothing and everybody applauses and then he goes home and doesn't do anything. Well, that's why Vivek um, uh, Obama Swami is so dangerous, but I want to talk about him when, you know, when we have more time, right, too. Right, well, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's a plant. Anything. He's so, a new Mike Pence but, saboteur, yeah. But the thing is, the idea that we should, we should move on, meaning we should not do anything, anymore, you know, like we've always done since the 1950s, right. um, they can't do that right now because of this. <clears throat> they, um, I mean, the thing, and I have to assume that all these people are shocked that all of you in this audience and everyone else haven't turned, you got, haven't turned on Trump yet. Because again, the, the, the underlying principle is they think you're stupid. It's like, you know, it's like a four year old as well, okay, maybe a six year old doing a magic trick. Right. And you're like, yeah, I could see exactly what you're doing. Um, and uh, you just smile and it's polite. But, but all these characters, they, they, they think we don't see their tricks. Um, and so they can't Well, have they right. tricked themselves? Have they turned you back on Trump yet? Have they, um, have they tricked themselves? Anyway. Because it looks mm-hmm. like they they basically set a trap for themselves. Even it, they think they're. I, I think they're they're so wrapped up in their ego and they're so blinded by their own you know self righteous delusions 
that they, they missed the fact that they just gave us the biggest gift possible. They, they made it right. mandatory for us to bring in all the election evidence of fraud for Trump to, to defend himself. Right. Now, of course, hysterical. Heard, I'm going to try to stick. I want to give the, the, the um, context. I think Bianchi okay. was starting to talk about it. But as I said, Bianchi mentioned why, <clears throat> um, how they, you know, the thing is, we, we have to be clear about our terminology that, right. in my view, how they stole the election it was all hands on deck. You know, they, 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 they pulled out, you know, the ammunition from the Civil War. They did everything they could possibly do to stop right. Trump in 2020. There's, <coughs> and everybody was doing it simultaneously and not always in coordination. Uh-huh. So they were doing absolutely everything they could think of to, uh, to steal the 2020 election, including but, right. you know, the friend of the court brief that, that America, um, that Action Radio participated in mm-hmm. about changing the rules during COVID. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically, to, to defeat Trump, they had to change all the rules. You know, if the only way you can win the Super Bowl is to, is to change all the rules, which by definition means you're breaking the rules, right. um, you know, did you win? So anyway, um, uh, but, but Pianchi is starting to, you know, that, that's the only thing I was going to respond to Pianchi is that I, I don't think there was just one. I mean, you can say I, I think this was the biggest, this was the main, sure. Um, but, but I think that we have to remember there were so many ways they cheated. But that's but what they're trying to do is, is say that the, just saying the election was stolen is somehow a fraud, and that's somehow illegal. That somehow, you know, not the free, not even the free speech issue, but that there's somehow a conspiracy. But what's ironic about this is, is that these are the people that actually did steal the government in a conspiracy. We had a coup d'etat. They, they changed. In fact, I've still got the original article from Knight's News on the battleground state electors. And as I've said since January 6th, the key to this whole thing are the Trump electors. So what they really want to do, those Trump electors are still out there. They're still valid. They can still be certified, and Brandon's electors can be dumped. You know, and that's one of those things I'm going to ask Christina Bob about next Wednesday, is what about the Trump electors? Uh, especially the ones, because you've got, I think, four from Republican states uh, with Democrat governors, and you've got three more with Republican states with Republican governors. They're just not certifying them, but they're there. They're well, still there. They're still valid. And they're saying that that's the conspiracy. These, these, they're calling them the fraud electors. And they say that this, that this independent state legislative theory, which, of course, is not a theory. It's a fact. Pianchi, go ahead. You know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. What happened, and I asked these people, you had state uh, secretaries of state uh, putting forth ballots, and you had the legislature putting forth electoral ballots. Mm-hmm. Secretary of State, that's not their job to do. Is those, no. those electors folks come from the uh, from the from the legislature? Mm-hmm. I got so three articles. That that right probably take a the problem. Yeah. So and you know, another that, thing too. Go ahead, Bianchi, You know, another thing, real quick. Sure. Go back to the beginning. Was the count, the vote count. And this software probably has the ability, it's probably equipped with an algorithm to look <laughs> for certain things. And when it does find it, it reacts like stop the vote count. And you can't, if, if they have, if they are proprietary, that means that it's 
You can't look into it. Only Dominion can look into it. That's where I bet you. Yeah, this is right. But it's not proprietary if it handles a public election. Conky's absolutely right. I'm sure there are scenarios that will tell the computer to stop. That that's a very that's a very interesting insight, and I think huh. that, you know that that makes perfect sense. And yeah. <clears throat> and if you if they're saying that you know the if you say that here are, here are the election results, but you can't look. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's not been proven that they are that, that the election results are right. If if they say, well, you don't have any evidence that that the Dominion machines don't work properly. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but you won't show us the evidence that they do. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, forgive me That's for being suspicious. It, it, it's not proprietary if it's during a public function, like an election. Proprietary well, I, is I, it is. I mean, a contract that they sign. You know, are you well, uh, machines, you have to do this or you can't do that. That's what that's what yeah, that it doesn't gets sound you. like a valid. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a valid contract. Right, but that, so that, that, means that, that, that means that the, the election officials were stupid to sign okay. that contract. Huh. Um, All right. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so so thing is, what we've got here is, like I say, forty pages of, of basically a doc. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like if if you've been aware? I mean, I don't know if anybody here, you know, regularly watches MSNBC or you, you know, <laughs> for insane asylum. Um, but um, <laughs> they. Uh, they, um, I mean, Greg, do you think that you've seen anything that you haven't been hearing directly or indirectly over the last uh, two, three years? Uh, the, this, this, um, the lawsuit, you know, is just, there's nothing new. There's nothing legal. It's just right. the same old uh, Ra- Rachel Maddow. Well, no, there is something new. There, there is one thing new, and that's why the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is my favorite section of Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. If two or more right. people conspire to uh, restrict the exercise or enjoyment of a constitutional right. Now, what is so fascinating about this to me, what I want to talk about probably Monday as well, is the fact that I didn't know if that could be applied to government officials because I'm thinking government officials have a certain amount of immunity from stuff that they do to the rest of us. You know, it's like a criminal law. And so this is being, as because it's being applied to Trump in his capacity as a government official, that opens all government officials up to conspiracies for you know, blocking the exercise or enjoyment of our rights. So that would include anybody in, involved in gun control. That would include uh, anybody free speech or, or anything to do with censorship. That would include anybody who engages in the campaign, <laughs> you know, because that, they're, they're knowingly providing false information. I mean, the, 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 well, that's a different issue. But, but, I mean, the can of worms just opens up. But the idea of Section 241, you know, conspiracy against rights, two or more people. So that is, the Justice Department is two or more people have conspired to, to obstruct the exercise and enjoyment of the free speech of Donald Trump, of our free vote, and to have our vote count. I mean, they basically well, they made the argument against themselves. They basically condemned their own coup in bringing up a law and applying it to government officials and trying to get Trump. So I've got three articles here right. calling how brilliant this is, but I think it's insanely stupid. And, and how it's brilliant good. it is? I, don't, I mean, well, the no, thing is, is that yeah. count, count four is their desperate bid to get Secretary of State in various states to keep him off the ballot. Oh, that's what that is. Because that's that's where the 14th Amendment says that if someone has engaged in an insurrection, 
right um that against the united states uh uh or that that they they can't uh be elected to office now of course this is not going to get resolved despite right um the, the, the democrats wishes mm-hmm. time for the election so they're going to have to go to various states and say he might be convicted therefore um shouldn't be on the ballot so this count four um not only is it wrong i mean i'm not i my my complaint about it is not simply that it's a civil war era statute which was about uh-huh. the you know the, the, the states that rebelled right but it just doesn't fit it's like if you were going to sit down and of course that's what jackson has been most criticized for by the supreme court is trying to put, trying to stretch laws, uh, laws to say things they don't say, <clears throat> which the whole the whole DOJ is doing, but Jack Smith in particular. Um, and so, you know, if you were to sit down with a bunch with, you know, and look for the laws that mm-hmm. somebody has broken, right. you wouldn't pick this one. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's a bad fit. Yeah. <clears throat> it, you know, it, it makes no sense. The only reason for putting it in there is to try to, you know, now, again, if you go to a George Soros secretary of state right. and you say, he's been indicted for this, take him off the ballot, you know, they'll, they'll take him off the ballot. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but if, uh, if, um, you know, and, and again, all these things are so frustrating because I refer you back to my saying that Republican lawyers are stupid. Report, Republican lawyers are just basically the Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan's of the legal world. Right. They're they're they've ignored. They've been whistling past the graveyard, really for decades, but now for a couple of years on these things, and you know they've lost the battle by not fighting it. Um, <laughs> you know, same with everything else, like climate change and you name it. Right. Um, so, so these, the, you know, when when certain people were fighting these battles, you know, all the Republican establishment is sort of staring at the ceiling, whistling, going, you know, <laughs> oh, nothing's going on. You know, there's nothing, nothing to see here. Um, and of course, now it's, it's coming back to this. And of course, they also think that <clears throat> that the Rubes are going to. I mean, see, one of the biggest problems is is that they, the establishment in, on every level, um, they think that the Rubes still believe them. So when the experts say that, you know, I don't know, um, wearing blueberries on your head will make you live longer, they go, oh, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and they don't realize that we don't believe anything they say, and we're never going to believe anything they say ever again. And COVID had, was one big part of that, but not only. And so they get up and they, they say these things and we just laugh. They get up and they say, you know, um, anything that starts about, you know, a study shows, you know, cue the laugh track. Um, <laughs> so they can't understand this, that why, why haven't we, they've told us that Trump can't win. Why don't we, why don't we uh, believe them? We told you Trump can't win. Why are you still supporting Trump? Like, well, mm-hmm. you're because you're a bunch of morons. That's why. You wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, why are you believing? Tell that, tell uh, that to, 
Why do you, why are you still questioning the election? How dare you? We've already told you you can't question the election. You right. Know, and exactly. yeah, we can. And they, they think that because we after World War II in the 1950s, where everyone was just happy and doing their own thing and happy they right. they didn't get killed in the war. Um, yep. You know, they 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 believed in the progress of science, and we had this priesthood of experts. What's going oh, yeah. on here, among many things, is a war over the death of experts. It's like that, you know, they they are desperately fighting that their experts are the one, you know, are the true gods, and we have to believe in their experts. You know, whenever they blow the horn, we need to bow down and make noises, like in um, I, what was it, Assyria, or Babylon, or something like that. I think in Conan uh, the Barbarian yeah. with. Uh... Uh, James Earl Jones. <laughs> but anyway, bow down. Yeah. So when well, they invoke I'll, I'll, the name of the experts, we have to right. we have to bow down and 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 say, um, you know, we honor the experts. And we yeah, well, Doctor Fascist, you know, ended that because nobody believes him. I want to go. I want right. to read this law real quickly here and get your opinion. This is eighteen. This is from the Legal Information Institute, Cornell Law School. My well, favorite let me, source for let me, me. No, let me, right, let me connect the dots there for a second. Sure. Okay. Because because the, the, their biggest thing is that Trump knew he was lying because somebody told him he didn't lose the election. So somebody you told know him? That COVID vaccine, you know that the COVID vaccines work because Anthony Fauci told you. you know, so, you know, so when you say that the COVID vaccines or the booster shots or whatever you want to say doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know that you're lying because Dr. Fauci – Oh. whom none of us believe, told you that, you know, you're wrong. And, and, I mean, so, so Mike Pence told, <clears throat> told Trump that he didn't, he, you know, that the, that the election wasn't stolen. But, I mean, hey, how would Mike Pence know? Did he go down there and, and, and inspect the machine? You know, did he go down there and, and, and interview anybody? No. Bill Barr said there, there was no widespread fraud. But then the other also admits he didn't look. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like. Well, he said there wasn't enough th- fraud to overturn the election. Why does he know that? Right. It, it couldn't possibly And that's not the standard that. anyway. You know, that's not the We've talked about this before. That That's like saying that uh, it's not a bank robbery unless you steal enough money to put the bank out of business. What? That's, that's ridiculous. That's Good not the point. standard. So, yeah. so, but the thing is, is that because, because people. Who, who, not, who Donald Trump doesn't trust, we don't trust, right. who right. demonstrated that we can't trust them, uh-huh. um, said there was no fraud, election fraud, even though they say, well, we didn't look. You know, so when they said, well, I, you know, he was, trying to say, he was trying to tell Bill Barr to, mm-hmm. to open an investigation, mm-hmm. and Bill Barr says, you know, refuses, says, well, that's not what the DOJ does. Mm-hmm. They're, they're state-by-state elections. Then he gets up and said there's no fraud. You just got done telling us you're not going to look. So how do you know if there was if there's any fraud when you when you, when you refuse to look? Um, and so Donald Trump has committed fraud um, because when the experts told him, you know, it is known, you know, that the election was the, the, the best ever, and you didn't believe them. How about I mean, that? that's 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 insanity. <laughs> No. So, so Dr. Fauci, because you don't believe everything Dr. Fauci said, you're lying. 
could it be that Dr. Oh, Fauci is the one that's lying? Right, exactly. Yeah, we call him Dr. Fascist, which pretty much tells you where, where he stands with me. But let's talk about Mike. You brought up Mike Pence. Mike Pence, to me, is, is he's the one that committed the crime because he, he completely violated uh, what the Constitution says. He said that he cannot turn the, uh, the Trump electors, the dual slates of electors, back to the states. He can't do that. And I'm contending that that's the only thing he could have done or at least turn it over to Congress to take a vote. But they didn't do that either because they went down below and did a coup underneath the Capitol while, they were, while Trump supporters were taking selfies up top when the doors were open. So he, he's, he's lied twice. So you want to talk about a conspiracy? There's a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy to commit election fraud by Mike Pence, obviously. And he's, he's on the record of saying he can't do the one thing that he specifically had to do, which was send the dual slate electors back. See, the electors right. is still the key to the, the Trump electors is still the key well, to this but, whole thing. But at the very, at the very least, uh-huh. right. they have to decide. Between, if, he said, if he said, well, we're going to let the states decide or we're going to let mm-hmm. the um, and again, remember, the state legislatures um, in these places, you know, they, they said that, yes, we see all this allegation of fraud, but we're not allowed to convene ourselves. And that's not true either. Yeah, that's a lie, well, too. But that's what they said. So you've got yeah. Mike Pence mm-hmm. saying, you know, saying you should send it back to the state because the states are telling you that they have to wait for their governor to uh, call them into session. Right. So if, if Mike Pence had sent it back to the legislature, say, well, the le- why didn't the legislature act? They're claiming because they're geldings and they, you know, they want to run and hide in the, you know, like in the shadow. <laughs> you, um, you, you, they, you know why they're they saying? What? You know what's up with that, too, what you just said? You got red state legislatures, but you got a blue Governor sitting at the helm like a new man. Correct. Bill was Correct. a Democrat. And that's right. where so, flaw lies there. Right. I agree with you. Right. It, it, it has to go back to the legislature. Now, this stuff about that the governor has to uh, convene the legislature, that's probably is so. That's, that right there is, is a flaw. But when I think that it's, it's, the, it's the vice president had sent it to the legislature, they would have to respond. They say we say by, by law in our state, we our, our sessions are, you know, happen at certain times of the month, or if the governor calls us. But if the vice president of the United States sends them the question, I think that they would have. Of course, I, I think they do have the power. I think they're, you know, they're liars and they're just trying to avoid controversy, but if the vice president sending them the question would, you know, justify them meeting and looking into the question. Remember, just remember that a lot of these states, they never looked at it because they're saying, oh, we, you know, we'd love to do that, but we just, we can't, you know. Um, so um, anyway, there's that. Um, yeah, well, I've got I've got something from the original Knightsbridge article, the one that you cannot find anymore. It's been pulled from the internet, but I copied it, and this is the best source on the on the Trump electors. It said on on the 14th of December, seven states sent a slate of Democrat electors uh, of Democratic electors chose Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Republican electors also cast votes for President Trump, thus creating seven 
sets of dueling electors or alternates. Both groups are sending certificates of ascertainment to Congress, which is slated to convene in a joint session on January 6th. Okay, so this is written before, this is written between December 14th and January 6th to count electoral votes. Uh, and then it says here, da, 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 uh, a couple more things here. It says the electoral votes have been officially counted. All right. In three of the seven states in question, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, Republicans control the state legislatures while Democrats hold the governor's posts. So those states can be in dispute, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. In Georgia and Arizona, Republicans control both, and New Mexico and Nevada, Democrats control both. So you've got, you've got states, state legislatures in Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, the state legislatures control. So those, so those Trump electors should have been certified January 6th. So the coup was taking the, the state legislators, you know, electors, the Trump electors, and saying they don't count. And that's the coup. That's where, that's where Mike Pence broke the law, broke the Constitution, broke everything by saying we're not going to consider, you know, the Trump electors, even though the state, the Republican state legislators, the, du- the duly uh, authorized people to, to make the electors have put forward these Trump electors. So you got five states of Trump electors that should have been certified as Trump electors by Congress or at least talked about. They didn't even talk about them. That was what the whole coup was. It was so bad, they didn't even bring them up for, well, I guess they brought them up for a vote eventually, but by then the coup had already happened, and they were all arm-twisted to, to vote for the brand and elect no matter what. That's the coup. The coup is taking Republican legislators, Trump electors, and not even considering them. So you want to talk about a conspiracy? Well, There's your conspiracy. Well, what happened, what happened is uh, Pence chose, the, <laughs> you believe it or not, Pence chose the Democratic electors. Well, yeah, I said Pence actually, is the first, you know, first candidate of one party to steal the election for the other party. <laughs> That's what he did. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. But you know, the problem, it, it all should have went back to the state legislature, as we just, as you just described. There, in fact, lies uh-huh. the flaw. When you have the legislature that says one thing, then the Democrat, the, the federal, the Republican legislature says one thing, and mm-hmm. then you got a Democratic governor that's saying another thing. And then you also have a secretary of state who's not supposed to be saying anything when it comes to this matter. Yep. And here's where it says, uh, here's more from the article. It says, according to the Congressional Research Service, when dueling slates are received, so in other words, there, there are two, Slates of electors. Okay, we're not talking about, you know, d- things that weren't done. Not that this isn't wishful thinking. There were actually two independent slates of electors from these battleground states. It says members of Congress in the joint session consider the list when it's uh, from a different state authority than the certified list in the conduct of vote. Acceptance of either slate would then require a concurrent agreement in both the House and the Senate. So there are two options here. One, Mike Pence could have sent them back to the states before January 6th and say, send us one back. So you got two slates of electors, send us one back. He could have done that. He says he couldn't, but that was one option. The second option was January 6th. What they should have done, starting with Arizona, of course, that's when the coup began, you know, would have been to go debate for a couple hours and then come back with a vote. Which slate of electors does Congress decide on? But both of those procedures, in order for the coup to be successful, they couldn't allow either one because they couldn't take a chance that either Congress would, would certify Trump electors or the, the Republican state legislators would certify Trump electors. Uh, they had to go for the Brandon electors, and that, is, in, is, in essence, is the coup. Right, Jonathan? Well, yes. 
And of course, everyone has heard by now, I think, that unless, unless I'm interrupting the zone somewhere with that, um, that um, in in the Kennedy in the Kennedy election, right? Uh, John F. Kennedy, which is Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon won the state of Hawaii on the first. Yeah, you're real quiet right now. Your your line's real quiet. What? Well, I must be in a different part of the house. Just can you hear me now? Okay, now now, okay, now now you're better. Yep, now you're back. That's good. That side of the house is just who knows? It doesn't. It's not always like that. So don't go um, there. The um, (laughs) so the uh, Hawaii, uh, you know, Richard Nixon won, ostensibly won the state of Hawaii. The Democrats sent an alternate state slate of electors from Hawaii for the Democrat, John F. Kennedy. So the Congress had two, two slates of electors. The Democrat state of electors is worded identically to the 2020 Trump electors. When the 2020 Trump electors um, sent in their alternate possibilities, mm-hmm. they copied, you know, words, almost word, what, to the extent that that they they could without you know state your name they put put their name in there um <laughs> they copied from the democrats right uh from hawaii so i guess it was the 1960 election and uh they heard that dispute they gave hawaii to john f kennedy and it was i forget in what context but they said that that they they argued that if if hawaii had not sent an alternative slate of electors, they could not have done that. Because because the Congress had two two sets of electors for, from Hawaii, <clears throat> one for Nixon, one for for uh, John F. Kennedy, that, therefore right. they were able to choose which one to use. Yeah, well, it says in the article here the same thing. It says the, uh, uh, the governor of Hawaii certified electors for Republican Richard Nixon. Democrat electors in the state legislature cast their votes for Kennedy. That's why the legislature was chosen. That's why Kennedy's, the Kennedy slate was chosen, because it was put forward by the legislature. Same mm-hmm. thing here. So what they're doing, so what they've done is, the, now here's the question, conspiracy. What is, what is the legal definition of a conspiracy? It's an agreement. Um, it, it's a, it is an agreement to do when I was talking about, of course, the criminal conspiracy, you can have a conspiracy right. to have a, you know, a secret to have a surprise birthday party. But when it comes <laughs> to the level of being a crime, a right. criminal conspiracy, it, it is an agreement to do something that is illegal or to do something that is illegal in an illegal way. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the ch- person charged with the conspiracy um, or being part of the conspiracy um, has to have taken an overt act um, to advance the conspiracy, which I argue, uh, I argue means that it has to be something that is unambiguously um, in, in support of the conspiracy. So, for example, if you know, if we're going to go rob a bank um, tomorrow morning, and I get up and make breakfast, okay, well, I would have had breakfast anyway. Yeah. So to my mind, that doesn't count, but I don't see that distinction. You have to understand, mm-hmm. you've heard that federal prosecutors almost always win. And I'm seeing more and more, it's because they cheat. They lie, they cheat, they steal, 
um, the, the, the rules are all rigged um, against the American citizens who, um, you know, who are charged with a crime. So anyway, um, so there's a lot of things that are very fuzzy and are, are, are tilted in, char- in the direction of the, defen- of the prosecutor. And, of course, basically, um, in the District of Columbia, they could convict uh, Trump of having orange hair. Um, <laughs> you know, they could well, wait, you know, So here's another question, though. How, do, how is it that the, the, the New York um, FBI head, whatever, U.S. attorney, can use a D.C. jury? Well, he can't. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, the thing is, but, but the thing is, is they're, they're going to try to say that, I mean, because, because they're, they're going to try to say that the crime occurred um, in this January 6th thing in the District of Columbia. Right. But Jack Smith is, uh, is in New York. Resided. He's in the Southern District what? of New York. He's in the Southern District of New York. It's like cross-jurisdictional. How, does, how come the D.C. people aren't, aren't? Jack Smith, they got this prosecuting Trump, right? He's in the Southern uh, District of New York for the F, for the, the the FBI DOJ whatever whatever it's called. What is the U.S. Attorney well, he, whatever he, he is? He's authorized to oh. to bring a case in, in any in any district, but okay, he does. It, it's like Hunter Biden when they tried, the mm-hmm. DOJ didn't back them up, right? But um, but they're gonna you know they'll they give Jack Smith the authority to do that. Huh. But but so the, the the thing is is that you know this this case would be the grand jury would have returned no true bill in any normal state in the country. Hmm. I mean, the grand jury would have like laughed at them yeah. if it wasn't in D.C. Um, but um, in, in any event, so so that's where so so they've got this thing where he's guilty of fraud. Oh, see here's the thing. What is fraud? Fraud, yeah. you know, <clears throat> is not just like, for example, if I if I if I sit there and I I'm showing you my car that I advertised on Craigslist, mm-hmm. and I say it's in perfect condition, and you can see right there it's not. <laughs> that's not fraud. That's you know that's so because because you could have you know so for example, to to send in an alternate set of electors. Mm-hmm. When everybody knows, the entire planet knows that on on its surface, Joe Biden won that state. That's not fraud because you're saying, I think it's wrong. I think you should count these electors. But everybody mm-hmm. knows about the dispute. You know, it, fraud would be if, you know, someone snuck, you know, broke in in the middle of the night and switched the electors without okay. anybody knowing about it. But to <laughs> send in... Or did it by computer? Sl- <laughs> yeah, to send in two slates of electors uh-huh. and and say one of them is, uh, you know, we, we think that it's wrong and here's the alternative, but everybody knows about it. That cannot be fraud because it's out okay. in the open. Well, I mean, if I, the, if I, and but the fraud if is I say that people... my 2000... Go ahead. Yeah. If, if I say that my 2009... Um, Dodge was a was owned by Elvis Presley, and who died long before 2009. So they say. Right. Um, then, you know, they well that's nice, but everybody knows it's not true. Huh. So that you know that I could not be convicted, but someone has to be. 
It has to be something that somebody reasonably relied upon, uh-huh. you know, and, and they actually did rely upon it to their detriment. Well, can't they countercharge? So, can't, can't, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish. I don't want to. No. So, what? Well, can't they countercharge? In other words, is there such a thing as like malicious prosecution or, or something like that uh, or, or fraud? Can't you countercharge as part of your defense that the real fraud is the fact that they're lying about the election, that these, these alternates are perfectly valid, that the state legislatures, you know, by the well, Constitution, I, you know, can pick their electors? Are you asking if they were if the, if Trump's if Republican lawyers were competent? Is, oh. that, is that your question? I'm not. No, I'm 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 talking about. Well, I'm sort of gearing up for a Christina Bob, you know, quote or, or question that if can they not can Trump not counter uh, these charges by saying that the people who are bringing the charges are in fact frauds themselves yes, because they're they're saying something they know isn't true. They know the election was stolen. Well, they know is, who did it. They know how it was done. What's that? Within the criminal process, uh-huh. you can't do anything until you win. You know, as okay. long as it's chugging along and uh, anything like that, there are things you could do, of course, but that, that sort of thing has, mm-hmm. to, <clears throat> has to be based upon you were charged and it had no basis and, in fact, you won. Mm-hmm. Then they can be charged with malicious prosecution. Um, if they lie, some people could file bar complaints. That mm-hmm. the D.C. bar, you know, is the swamp as well, and always has been. Um, so, <clears throat> but are there other things that um, that the uh, that Trump could do? Yes, he could start up by firing ninety percent of his lawyers. Keep mm-hmm. Christina Baum and Helena Habib and, and some of these other people. <laughs> right. And um, they could file a massive lawsuit. Right. When, when Robert Mueller, remember, this is not really, the thing is, people, the people who say we need to move on, they don't, among a thousand things, they don't understand. These are rehearsed, each, each abuse is a rehearsal for the next one. Right. That's what you've got to realize. So when Robert Mueller was doing the same thing already, they were honing their skills, sharpening their knives, learning their tactics, and getting ready for the next time, which is now. Um, so Robert Mueller went after Jerry Corsi. Why? I have no idea. Um, I mean, I don't. Remember, I worked on the case, and I don't remember what he supposedly. Um, supposedly, he might have been at some meeting or something. Who knows? And so Larry Clayman. Actually, that helps put them together. Larry Clayman went and sued, you know, slapped Robert Mueller with a, with a lawsuit. Well, Mueller backed down. So, um, huh. uh, and could could Trump do do the same thing? Well, yes, but not carrying all these deadweight lawyers on his back. Hmm. Um, what? Because here, here's the bottom line to me, and. <clears throat> Is you know, and people are saying it's a sham indictment. No, they're not. You know, they're not sham indictments. They're they're obstruction of justice. The the under the under the Democrats, you know, a, a racketeering, corrupt, and influenced organization, RICO, right. is often someone operating a criminal enterprise from within an apparently legitimate organization. So you have a pizza, well. Don't mean it to be too home, close to home, 
But if you have <laughs> okay. a you have a delivery service, and and say half of the people there, the others are not, are using it to deliver drugs. Right. You know, it's just just they're they're used they're, they're doing food deliveries as a cover. Um, <clears throat> to distribute the pizza place is not doing it. The manager may not know about it. It's not the legitimate purpose of the thing, but within the within the company organization, a criminal enterprise is being is being conducted. The Department of Justice is a government agency, and within that government agency, um, Merrick Garland, Chris Ray, um, Jack Smith, and you know, hundreds of other people are running a criminal enterprise. And they are, I mean, the fact that they, the fact that they indicted uh, Trump the day after Devin Archer testifies and basically puts the final nail in the coffin of, um, of uh, uh, the Joe Biden money laundering bribery um, um, scandal, you know, syndicate. Oh yeah, he's caught. Um, I mean, there, there's there's no choice about it. But can you? But, but, is, but the point is, they're they're, they're indicting Trump to right. protect Joe Biden, and as Dan Benzino ultimately says, ultimately to protect Barack Obama. So they are oh, using there these indictments to obstruct justice. Right. Yeah, and in fact, why? You know, I've known January 6th now for two years more, and. <clears throat> I thought the indictment that came out this week was really lame. I mean, if I if I had to say about trying to write an indictment for Donald Trump, it would be dishonest, but I could have done a way better job. And and it makes me think they slapped something together last minute simply to knock um, Devin Archer out of the headlines, and there will probably be a superseding indictment where he tries to because they, they do that a lot. They'll file an indictment, and then they'll amend it. But well, right now, somebody, the, yeah. Go ahead. What? Well, I was going to say, I, I want to get back to Obama and, and Biden in a second, because I think you, you really understand. I want to explore that a little bit. But anyway. Well, I'm not the expert on that, but there are people who are who will tell you in detail that there's no way that Biden is guilty without Obama being guilty. And this is one of the reasons why some people say one of the reasons why the left is freaking out is because Devin Archer and all this stuff means Michelle Obama cannot write in and save the day from, 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 from Biden. Oh, that's interesting because, because she's tied to Barack is, Right. Because Barack is as guilty as sin with everything that the Biden did when he was vice president. Has anybody discovered just how much Obama's controlling the, the Brandon insurrection? Uh, you know, is someone talking about that that I could look into? Because I haven't really seen anything about it yet. Well, no, but, I mean, again, one of the big differences between Biden and, and Obama is that Obama is, is clever. So oh, yeah. he's not going to leave... Amazing you know, his wallet behind at the robbery scene. <laughs> well, but, um, but it was a Dan Bongino you said said this? Because this is this is really, now we're getting to the core of the matter. Pianchi's back, which is good. I want to get his opinion. I want to talk about the Convention of States when we're, when we're uh, uh, in just a little bit here. Okay. Give him a chance on that. But this is really the key. 
That's what I'm thinking. I just want this. Well, I mean, he, he spent like three hours on it. I, I mean, he more than once. Don, Don, and remember, Don Bongino was in the Secret right. Service. Yeah. I'll um, take a look at his stuff. Um, I'll, I'll listen to his podcast and things. But let's, let's tie this in. So the real objective here, obviously, is to keep Trump off the ballot because they know Trump can win. Uh, they're using a bogus case to saying that he caused an insurrection so he can't be put on ballot. That's not going to work. I don't think any of this is going to work, but it, it does cost him time and money, and that's, that's an objective too. But you're saying that ultimately this is to protect Brandon so that Brandon doesn't get investigated and thrown out of the White House. And then that, and that ultimately protects and, and Obama. So let's Obama. tie that together. Let's just tie that together. Because and, there's and, no, uh, there's no way that while, while Obama – I mean, the thing is, if, if you know, the things that we now know for certain um, Biden did while vice president. Right. Um, and before being vice president, so that, you know, as part of the selection process, we come before him. Someone would come, I mean, even if, even if Obama was not directly involved, which I believe he was, mm-hmm. he, he's the puppet master. And um, I mean, do you think do you think Biden is smart enough to do this stuff? No, I, mean, I want to know who these... pulls Obama strings. Yeah, I'm beyond that. I want to know who's who's pulling Obama. What's who's making him do I, it? I, I don't think he's a completely independent agent. He's got to be part of a coalition of world government, you know, stooges with Bill Gates and uh, Klaus Schwab and the rest of them, I, and, I, and I the Chinese Communist Party. Way smarter than Biden. Oh, he's way smarter than a lot um, of people. But that's what makes him dangerous. But what I want to know is what you know specifically. Uh, about this Biden Obama, you know, connection is Obama, you know, pushing pushing the lawsuit. Um, does he, you know, is he? Did he pick Jack Smith? I mean, how much do you know about Obama? Or should I just listen to the Bongino podcast? Well, I don't know a, a lot about that directly, but people who, you know, who are looking into it. First of all, I think when Obama went back to the White House mm-hmm. and he looked around and saw all the White House staffers under Biden. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he said, man, you guys were all kids when you worked in, I mean, he said, he, he basically admitted that the people Probably running people. The, the Biden White House are his yep. people. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that. Um, well, I, I said when, when, when Obama visited the White House, he was there to give Joe more instructions. I mean, that was his purpose. <laughs> you know, he was there to, like, meet right. and greet all his friends and uh, issue new instructions. But he can do that anyway. Well, let me ask Pianchi some question while you're still here, if you have a couple more minutes. Michelle Obama, what do you know about her in terms of uh, her ambitions, Pianchi, or, or, or just Obama in general? And how come the chef was killed? I don't follow, <laughs> I, I don't follow the Obamas. Okay. I couldn't tell you. I, I don't think she has ambition for that, looking at her, uh, from what I see. Well, she'd have I to really work. Doubt. She should she doesn't have a great work ethic from everything I've seen. I've never seen her actually do anything other than magazine covers and, and school lunches. And even that was done for her. So I don't, I don't see her as having the work ethic or the ambition to yes, do the, the uh, president. Michelle ain't no Margaret. Michelle's not no Margaret Thatcher. But she, the argument, she just don't have that personality, I don't think, to be uh, The argument is not that she wants to be president, although I think, you know, who doesn't? She's got a big ego. The argument is that the Democrats realize they've got nobody. Hmm. So whether whether Michelle is in on it or not, you know, I think the commentary is that the Democrats realize that if, if they have to dump Joe Biden, they've got nobody. 
And that's, I think, why they're getting, they're freaking out and getting desperate. Well, they got nobody with him either. <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. So, uh, I mean, is it going to become more and more obvious that Obama's pulling strings back there? Is that going to come out? And can the Trump team use that? Say, wait a minute, he's not even, not only is he not president, he's not even uh, in charge. The White House is being run by a private citizen. I mean, is that a, a potential defense against this lawsuit? You want to talk about a conspiracy? There's a conspiracy well, for you. The, the, pro- the problem is, is that, of course, all kinds of evidence have been excluded by these by these dishonest judges. Okay. In any normal, it's like the Earth went through a tear in space, and we're in an alternate universe. Right. Things that should be, and, and people say, well, why don't the why don't the lawyers try this? Like, yeah, we did. You know, why why, why don't they try this? You know, and, and the judges just won't do it. So, um, uh, so any logical thing about what the Trump team should be able to argue. Uh-huh. He's going to run into the judge's furious attempts to keep it out. Um, but, um, and, and that's why we've got to get, you know, we, we need so much money. We need so much help. We need political researchers. Anybody wants to just do, polit- you know, fact research on the Internet or stuff to put in, like, all the things that the judges have said about January 6th. Um, you know, we, we need so much work. But we, we need to get them out it is out of we need to get it out of dc and i hear trump's lawyers saying that but they don't understand we've already litigated that for two years and they're gonna they're gonna f it up um so you know any competent lawyer for trump would be you know renting a a hotel ballroom with all the j6 defense lawyers together and say okay you know, no, no attorney-client privilege, but tell us what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, so we want to do this. Like, yeah, we tried that. Here's what the, the government said. Here's what the judge said. You have to do it another way. Um, so anyway, if it depends on that. But like we said offline, in theory, um, there's two different ways to say this. One is is that the government has to prove that the election was not stolen. Right. Now, people are saying um, at a minimum they have to prove that when Trump did all these things, he did not believe that the election was stolen, which, of course, they can't possibly prove. How can they do mm-hmm. that? I mean, the idea that, the idea that Dr. Fauci told you that the vaccine was fine, you know, that doesn't mean that you accept what Mike Pence or Bill Barr or all these other, you know, charlatans said. That's all they got is that is that these various people that Trump wouldn't believe anyway, um, that because they said it, therefore Trump knew that the election was, was the best ever. Hmm. Um, that's ridiculous. But even if even if they don't have to prove that the election was correct. I mean, in theory, they just opened this up to be the trial of the century and put the entire 2020 election on, on trial. That's the, what I'm the, saying. The they, they screwed up. Let me get one more question from Pianchi if he has one, but that is, really is the essence, is that they just opened the door for all the election fraud evidence from, from Mike and, Lindell, and, and from let me, Steve let me Bannon, by from saying that, that everybody. Let me Go finish ahead. by saying whether or, not, mm-hmm. whether or not you say the government has to prove the election was good or that Trump has the right to prove 
that it was stolen. Either way, um, in any honest system, mm-hmm. the, 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 the entire case has just now become about whether the election was stolen or not. Which is fascinating. That's, that's hysterical. Do they, know, do they do that consciously? Or do they just screw up? No, they're, they're no, they've got, they don't think they're Democrats. <laughs> I love it. This is so much fun. All right, let me let you go, but I wanted to just check with Pia to make sure he doesn't have any more questions. Frankly, do you have a, one more question for Jonathan? Um, and then I'm going to take a break and, and we'll talk convention of states. Pianki, going once, going twice. Okay, uh, let's pick it up Monday, Jonathan, and then, of course, we've got uh, Christina Bob briefly. You're going to have, like, maybe three minutes because uh, she's only got maybe 20, 25 minutes tops. So we're going to be real brief, real well, get, get it, and do a lot of talking. On our Supreme Court, get a Supreme Court brief that I, I, just, I sent you. Um, oh, is it my email? Where, where did you, where did you yeah. send it? Okay. Let's make sure I've got it here. Let me take it real quick. We'll, we'll talk. Oh, there it is. I've got it. Yay, this is going to be fun. This is great. We do it. it actually, radio is getting more and more exciting. All the things that are happening. I got some things I can't tell you on the air, but there's more happening, too. There's a lot of things happening, right. including today. It's, okay. it's, this is going to get well, we, exciting, we, folks. Uh-huh. We have to try to get some stuff to Mike Lindell, too. With all the oh, I, I, uh, well, you know I know one of his reporters, right? I mean, I've been on with Emerald Robinson. He should, so that's, I mean, he should that's, come, that's my, he, right. he should come to D.C., rent mm-hmm. a, uh, an auditorium, uh, mm-hmm. and... And just put on, you know, from now and you know, from now until the um, the trial, he should just outside of court prove everything that we talked about. Why? Well, he's got the plan. Have you heard this big plan of his? He's doing something August sixteenth, I think. He's doing like a three day convention. I signed up for it, but I think that I think that he should bring it right to the beast doorstep. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna look at that convention. Then we'll talk about that Monday. Huh, thanks okay. for coming on Friday. I appreciate the extra time. Thank it's been you. very interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And, and uh, go for it, Pianchi. I, I, I try, like to hear about the, the plants in the state. Uh, I'll probably have to listen to it a little bit later, though. Okay. We just catch it on the air. I mean, you know, do it the way everybody right. else. BlockTrackRadio.com slash CitizenAction on your phone or computer. And you can listen in okay. live. Yeah. All right. Let me play. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Let me play a couple of things. Sure, now, for you. those... Uh, for my, oh, you're welcome. For my listeners, um, Jonathan's on normally uh, 9 a.m. Oh, we're getting background noise. Who's in the background? Is that you, Pianchi? Yeah, well, I, 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 I called myself muting, but uh, you know you had to have the cursor on the screen, so I'm sorry. He's <laughs> yeah, yelling at somebody. It's pretty funny. We didn't hear what it was, though. Anyway, um, so just to let folks know, Jonathan is on Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Time. Uh, on Mondays, and so he'll be back then. And Pianchi, just to let you, well, I'll, I'll I'll make my announcement when we come back. Let me just play a couple things, and we'll be right back. Well, try again. There it goes. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850 623 
888-646-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Such a busy day. We're having so much fun here. So Jonathan dropped in a bit. Um, Pianchi, just to give my uh, big announcement, I found out uh, yesterday, uh, Christina Bob, Trump's attorney, is coming back. And so she will be here Wednesday briefly um, at uh, 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And so that's going to be pretty cool. And so I want to talk to her once again about joining uh, with the Trump campaign. I'm going to get Jonathan for a couple minutes, uh, sort of introduce himself and, uh, and kind of go from there. But uh, I'm hoping that we can all, you know, wangle a trip down to Mar-a-Lago. You, me, Jonathan, Brianna, Wendy, you know, Josie, you will get the gang, Derek, uh, and we'll all hop down there and, uh, you know, be a big team. That's, my, that's one of my ultimate goals here, to start working directly with the campaign. Anyway, we'll see what I can do. <laughs> I keep trying. And we'll see. Uh, but Wednesday is going to be another one of those great opportunities to talk to somebody directly involved with the Trump campaign. So any questions you have uh, or ideas, you know, uh, I might be able to squeeze you in for a minute. She's only got about 20 minutes. So we have to be really quick on time. But in that, things are good. <laughs> the life is happening. The things are really exciting around here. So, uh, yeah. So you have Convention of State stuff you're working on. And I just want to see if... Uh, well, you having a... Uh... Assembly uh-huh. Convention there in Virginia. <clears throat> Article from the Assembly Convention in Virginia on the three proposal term limits, limit uh, federal spending, and uh, <clears throat> limiting uh, the federal government from owning land. Right. Now, I remember I talking about that. Yeah, that, uh, that's the one that you said that. Uh, because you mentioned something that the Convention of States has taken on things that we've talked about. We did a two-hour special with Roger Roots on how the federal government cannot own the land they own out west. It's simply unconstitutional. 
So do you think that kind of filtered in? I mean, uh, who brought it? Is, is Roger Roots part of this, or did they listen to our show, or how do you think it just, you know, through the ether, the osmosis, the osmosis factor? To your show well, now, in the proposed amendment, uh-huh. the federal government is only allowed to own no more than 10% of any land within the state, and that's at the bequest of uh, the state legislator. Well, see, that's not constitutional um, either. That's not constitutional because they can't they can't de- declare a certain uh, percentage of land. All they well, let's see what the constitution just, says. For, no, you know, no, this was a, it's a constitutional amendment that it oh, okay. states that the federal government can't own more than ten percent of any state land, and even then it has to be at the request at the bequest of the state legislature. You see, but that's an increase in land because what the constitution says. In, in Article 1, Section 8, very clearly, as I'm trying to turn my pages fast here, uh, it says, this necessary and proper clause, to exercise legislation in all cases whatsoever over the district. So the federal government gets the District of Columbia, not exceeding 10 miles square. It gets, it says, in the exception of Congress, become the seat of the government of the United States. Okay. And to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be. So they can't have any land in a state currently unless they purchase it with the permission of the state legislature. Okay. Uh, and then it says uh, of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. So the only reason that the federal government can purchase land in the states is for the erection of forts. In other words, you know, defense installations, magazines, that's ammo, arsenals, that's guns, uh, dockyards, that would be, you know, waterfront facilities, both, uh, I would say, river, lake, ocean, uh, and other needful buildings. In other words, offices, you know, within a state that are federal offices. That's it. Why would you give them 10% when the Constitution already says they can only have land for specific purposes? That seems to me uh, giving the federal government even more power, which it seems to be opposite of what it's the convention because, states would be doing. the state legislature will want to give them 10%. And they wouldn't have any control over the extraction of natural resources or imposing any fees for mm-hmm. that particular purpose. So actually, yeah, but they don't have that now. They they take that authority now, but technically but they, they don't have they it. They are doing it. They are doing it now. Yeah, but the, so 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 the correct response is for the states to take the federal government, which is a, which is a mandated Article Three case, directly to the Supreme Court and say, look, the federal government is charging us you know, royalties and license fees and duties on our own land. They can't do that. That's what they well, should the do. States want That's why but these what? 50 states, 48 states in this simulation, 49 uh-huh. states, right. is going through this process. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a good process so to go through. What they I mean, there's nothing wrong with the process. But if I was there yeah. as a member, I would be arguing against the amendment because the federal government already has less power. The states have all the power right now to take all their land, except for needful buildings, dockyards, arsenals, magazines. Florida. You should have got Florida. To, you should have got Florida to send you there. Then you could argue that. Nobody asked me about it. I didn't even know about it. You know, I, I said I couldn't afford the trip right now anyway. I don't have a travel budget. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck here. I, I need sponsors. Then another point they have is that uh-huh. uh, representatives can only serve nine year, nine terms, and uh, senators only three terms. 
So that was so that's six, 18. Senators, four terms. 6, 6, 12, 18, 24. Representatives, uh, 9. Yeah, 18. I think it's 18 for the nine terms for the representative and, uh, yeah, three terms for the, uh, for the U.S. Senate. And okay, no so three more terms than uh, if you go from one to the other, no more than 24 years, period. And what was the contention on that was that they want to stipulate that, it, which it wasn't, is that, uh, that's for future elected positions. So if a person has already been serving for 40 years, well, you can't kick them out. So it's not de facto. It has to go from this point on. So that's pretty good. Well, it isn't. It isn't. I don't believe in term limits because we already have term limits, two years for the House, six years for the Senate. What would be better, it would be to repeal the, and here's something they could do very simply because there's no language change on it. Just repeal the 17th Amendment and put the state, put the, the, the election of senators back into the states. Do they have a provision for that? Because that would make more sense. No. That's yeah. what these 49 states are proposing. Okay. That was right. Yeah. Well, I haven't found one that I support yet. What's, uh, what's, the, what's the other big one? I think there's three, right? You got three committees. Well, the other one is the uh, the budget. Okay, tell me about the budget. Now allowed to spend over the budget. I think it's like ten percent, maybe, but uh, I didn't get a chance all right, to all read right, let's, that. Let's talk about this because this is this is interesting. Because uh, so the balanced budget amendments that I have seen, they say we're going to balance the you know the, the 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 Congress cannot spend more than they take in, except and here's where the problems come in except you know, war, pandemic, national emergency, things like that. And the problem is that the first thing government does is declare a war, a pandemic, and a national emergency. The emergency never ends. And then the budget, uh, the balanced budget act becomes moot. If you'll notice in, in, in our constitutional uh, amendment that the Congress cannot borrow money, there are exceptions. The Congress cannot borrow money, period. That's the only way to do it. Because the minute you open the door to exceptions, you'll always have exceptions. You'll never have what you're trying to get. So the Congress will be able to say, well, look, we passed your, your balanced budget amendment. What's your, what are you complaining about? Well, you're, not, you're, not, you're spending more than, you, uh, you know, than you're taking in. Well, we can do that because we have an emergency. You know? I mean, it, it defeats its purpose. So if they're saying you can spend 10% over the budget, that defeats the purpose. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. They're going to violate that anyway. Is there an emergency clause in it? Do you remember Mark Thornton? Remember when Mark Thornton was on the show? In fact, I was seeing him playing one of his, uh, his interviews, but we're not going to have enough time today. Mark Thornton talked about the Weimar Republic in Germany. And the Weimar Republic had a really great constitution with defined rights, and they had all kinds of things. And then they had an escape clause. They had an emergency clause that the constitution could be suspended, revoked, or limited during a national emergency. So what, what did the government do? They immediately declared, declared a national emergency, suspended the constitution, and then we got Hitler. Escape clauses are the most dangerous. So tell me, do you have the, the text of this, of this budget amendment? I'd be really curious to hear it. Do you have it there by chance? No, unless I went back in the uh, proceeding. Well, tell me what you remember of it then. You're saying that it has a 10% of, uh, they, so the Congress can, can, they have to have a, it's a, it's a balanced budget amendment, right? Is that, is that the title of it? 
Yes, uh, for restricting Congress. Yes, a budget that they can't spend above. It's sort of like the Hancock Amendment in Missouri. Which is what? That the state of Missouri legislature can't spend more than its revenue, basically. Yeah. Well, then that's good, but as long as it doesn't have an escape clause. So if it's like our amendment, in fact, I wish they'd just take our amendment. You know, because our amendment. Anything that comes in above it, they have to give it back to the citizens. Oh, so extra. So what do you mean? How does that work? Extra revenue comes in? If if a certain percentage of revenue comes in above the expenses, then it has to go back to the people. But they're always going to have expenses meet revenue, so that that's you know that's kind of interesting. Otherwise, they're, they, they're not going to be carrying no surplus, no big well, surplus. Should, uh, well, it'd be interesting then. In that case, what they should, what they should do is they should uh, set their budget before they find out how much revenue they've got, and if they find that they don't well, have enough revenue wait. for the, what? Go ahead. I think it is, but I'm not so sure. Okay, well that's fine. Let me let me go over. Tell me what you think of this one again. So here's here's our amendment, all right? And I've modified it. I've made it even stronger. So Action Radio is putting forward a constitutional amendment. Congress shall not have the power to borrow money. This is Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution shall be amended by striking Clause Two. And Clause Two says Congress shall have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. So we're striking the part that says to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Then, and here's the good part. Section 8, Clause 1, shall be amended by adding at the end, and Congress shall have no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor to print money to cover expenses, nor authorize the purchase or holding of securities, nor to authorize or permit any central bank, nor to allow any control of money beyond Congress. That gets rid of the Fed. That gets rid what of is the inflation. Is that going to be a constitutional amendment? Yes. The law. Article One, Section Eight. No, it, no, it can't. No, it has to be uh, because it, it's a restriction on Congress, so it has to be a constitutional amendment. Has to be in the All right. Now you got to convince uh-huh. you got to convince thirty-eight states that that's what they want to have. Yep. You bet. And see, if I, see, so it, it's not as easy as you make it sound. You may disagree with what these states are coming up with, but uh-huh. what you got there, you got to convince thirty-eight states that this is the way to go. Right, exactly. I agree with you. Now, I didn't say it'd be easy, but, it, but our amendment is stronger than any of these other ones. So if this budget act that you have from the Convention of States, if it has an escape clause, it's worthless. If it says that uh, the budget act is suspended or amended or you know there's an exception to it or anything that allows the government to borrow money or not stick only to the revenues they take in, it's 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 invalid. It's just it's not going to go. It's it's worthless. That's my contention. So this has been going on for two days, and uh huh. Today is the last day. Huh? I'll have so to look into it. Or if you want to tell us, if you want to tell us more Monday, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be kind of good to hear. I was hoping to hear from one of my. Uh, friends who's heading out to the border, but he didn't call in, so that's not working out. Um, I had some other news. What other news have we got up today? we got about uh, 17 minutes left. We can kind of hash out uh, what's going on. The big news, of course, is Trent, Christina Bob's coming back next Wednesday, Trump's attorney. Um, I wrote some things on Facebook. 
Uh, oh, here's something. I'm curious what you think of this statement. I said, if you can get a political asylum in the U.S., if you are being persecuted solely for your beliefs, then can't the January 6th folks get asylum for being persecuted solely for their beliefs? In other words, can they be released from the D.C. Gulag? Can they apply for a political asylum in the United States from the United States, the United States government? How's that for a thought? That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, these people come here and say, well, I've got political. And these people that are coming here by the millions, they're not here for political asylum. They're just here for money. But real political asylum, real political asylum means you're a political prisoner. You've been persecuted by a, by a government, your own government, for, uh, for simply, you know, either disobeying, questioning, disagreeing with. Uh, it, you made, you're made a political prisoner. In other words, you're being, a, you're being made a prisoner for your political beliefs. Well, that's what the January 6th people are in for. So can they not apply for asylum in the United States from the United States government? I mean, is there any law that says that someone applying for asylum can't be applying for asylum from the U.S. government? I don't think that's ever been done before. It's kind of an interesting concept, though, don't you think? Yeah, here's the wording on the land. This is Federal Legislative and Executive Jurisdiction Proposal 3, Section 1, except with the permission of the legislature of the state where the land is located. The national government shall not own, regulate, or control land or mineral rights, nor the proceeds from the sale of the same, except for the purposes expressly enumerated in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. The national government shall not own, regulate, or control more than 10% of the land in any given county or parish except with the express consent of the legislature of the state in which the land is located. Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, notwithstanding. And then it goes on to say in Section 3, Congress shall return or cede all remaining lands to the state in which it is located within 10 years from the effective date hereon. Why why would you wait 10 years? I give them. I give them a month. They probably got to clean up their mess. (laughs) Yeah, ten years. They're never going to go. People will forget. Yeah, whole different set of employees in ten years. No, I I would. I would give them. I would give them thirty days. You know, and let them take their stuff out. You know, let the states just take it over, and the states can return anything that uh, um, the feds don't do, and the state can bill the feds for cleaning up. (laughs) Thirty days. Get out. If you're going to get. If you're going to get rid of them, get rid of them. None of this. uh, this wimping out is not going to work. Well, that's interesting. Okay. I think, I, I think the Constitution as it exists is stronger than that. I see no reason to change the Constitution, but I see every reason to enforce it as written. You know, dockyards, arsenals, well, magazines, painful buildings. When you got the life up in the Willow uh, Oil Project in Alaska, where the federal government stands to make $40 billion off of feed. Mm-hmm. That money should go thing on less, but not the federal government. No, I agree. And I mean, they don't basically uh, things are written in. Yeah. I've actually seen the Alaska pipeline. Uh, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's really wild. Uh, I got, no, I got the chance. A new project. It's not, that's a new project we're talking about that Biden was talking about. Here's the amendment on the uh, term limit. Okay. 
No person shall be elected to serve in the House of Representatives more than nine full terms, nor elected or appointed to serve in the Senate more than three full terms. This article shall not disqualify Mm -hmm. any person from completing a term in the Congress to which that person was elected or appointed prior to ratification of this article. Now, the question that came up is that uh, what about somebody like a Biden or a McCain who's already been in there about 40 years? So does that mean that they can be in for a total of 64 years? <laughs> I'm sorry, 58 years? That's okay. No, there's probably grandfather clauses. In other words, if you came into office before that, they don't count the time that uh, that you served before the the term limits take place. I've heard I've heard some varying degrees of term limits. The, the shortest terms I've heard one presidential term of six years. I've heard uh, three legislative House terms of two years, one Senate term of six years. That's the shortest I've heard. Uh, the middle ground would be two Senate terms of twelve years, and that would be then uh, six two-year terms you know, for the House, so they, they get 12 years also. You're talking about three Senate terms, that's 18 years, and nine House terms at two years each, also for a total of 18 years. Well, that's as long as most of them serve anyway. So I'm questioning what that's actually going to do, because I don't know what the average term, well, let's look up the average time, I'm going to look up the average time somebody serves in Congress and the average time in the Senate. Well, that'll be something interesting to find out. You know, yeah, Bill Clay served 32 years in, in Missouri. Yeah, but that's the exception, though. His son served 18 years. That's 50 years of one family. Yeah, I believe it. So what is the average representatives serving Congress? Let's see what the average is. I bet you it's about 18 years or less. The average length of service for representatives at the beginning of nine years. Nine years. The average time is nine years. Eleven years in the Senate. So that means they're doing a term in almost two. <laughs> so you look at two Senate terms, um, what, four and a half House terms? So this, this term limit is already beyond the average that they serve right now anyway. So that's not going to change. For most of them, it won't make a difference. So it's only the, the longer-term folks that are going to be affected by this. The short-termers will be gone. The average-termers will be gone. Only those that are in there longer than average are going to be affected by this particular law. seems to me kind of silly. And that's from uh, CRS, Congressional Research Services. This is where the numbers come from. December 14, 2022. Updated. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So membership of the 17th Congress, a profile. The average age of members of the House, here you're going to find this interesting, 58.4 years. For the Senate, 64.3 years. The overwhelming majority, 96% of members of Congress, have a college education. Dominant professions, service and politics, business and law. That makes sense. Most members identify as Christians, except Obama. <laughs> Teasing. Average length of service you know, was nine years. Uh, so that's four and a half House terms. And 11 years for Senate. 150 women Here's served another in the Congress. 56 African-Americans. Uh-huh. No person shall serve in Congress for more than 24 years in total. 
At the beginning right. of each presidential term, the president shall be required to fill or refill all offices of the executive branch, the appoint to which is required to which is required to be made by the president in accordance with Article Two, Section Two. Section didn't know. No person shall serve more than twelve years combined as an officer of the executive branch. Then all officers and employees of the executive branch shall serve at will. Let's look at Article 2, Section 2. The President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and the Navy of the United States and of the Militia of the several states. That's Article 2, Section 2. How does that apply? That's the uh, Commander-in-Chief Clause. Huh. So was that clause again? Oh, Pianki's gone. Oh, no. What do yeah, I do so for Article nine minutes? Two, two. Article 2, Section 2 is the Commander-in-Chief Clause of the President. How's that, so how does that apply to what you're talking about? Well, that, that article you're reading will probably be... Uh, Lined out. Gone <laughs> bye-bye. Okay. Well, it seems like they're quoting the wrong section of the Constitution. I was just curious if they if they just made a mistake or whether there's a different section. Huh. Anyway, so so term limits, what, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, that's good. Nine, okay. uh, nine consecutive terms, that's... That that uh, will let somebody else come. You can't do it in length of time. I don't know what to tell you. Well, and the other question you know, is, why do, the voters, why do the voters keep voting them in? Because they're ignorant. Yeah, but there's another thing too. I'm gonna have to. I want to write, start to write a bill on this. Parties. We don't vote for the candidates of our choice. We vote for the candidates of the Republican and the Democrat Party's choice. They tell us the limited number of people that we can vote for. We can't vote for anybody for president because they don't have the money to run unless they run independently. That generally doesn't work. Ross Perot, uh, John Anderson come to mind as independents. That's about it. But so, who runs for, so who runs for office? People that the Republican and the Democrat parties tell us will run for office. So the real term, the real the limit, you want to put a limit on elections? Get, get rid of the parties selecting candidates. Well, that's where the ignorance of the people comes into play. Okay. But what I'm saying is that for I would rather see a national poll. You know, write down... You can't have a national poll on uh, candidates because... I don't want Texas telling us in Missouri or in Louisiana what to do, especially California. That's true, too. Well, uh, or you could break it up by state. In other words, the, the state electors would vote for, you know, different people. We're just trying to get candidates for the ballot. But there should be some kind of national poll. And we're not. this isn't binding, but just like, let's see who people want for president. So who would you want for president? This would be kind of interesting. In our last few minutes this week, forget the parties, forget the uh, forget everything, forget everything, you know, no party, no nothing. Who do you want for president just based on who they are as individuals? And, uh, you know, who, who would you like to see in the office? Male, female, old, young, doesn't matter. Who, who, who would you want for president? 
in politics or well, not? Well, it should be on the policies. What it should be. Okay. And the policies uh, should be a temperature of the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so I would like to see work. maybe maybe Thomas Sowell or, or, or Clarence Thomas as president. Thomas Sowell especially, because he's a philosopher. I don't know the last time we had a philosopher president. Someone that really understands a bunch of complex issues and is really brilliant. But he's never someone that the Republicans or the Democrats would pick. No, he's Clarence Thomas something that the public would want. Huh, yeah. Uh, well, or, if, we did, if we did a poll, if we did all the people out there, see, I, I think Donald Trump is the perfect candidate because he's got private sector experience. He's popular. He's achieved a whole lot. He's rich enough that he can't be bribed. He's strong as hell. He's courageous. He's got, uh, you know, really good qualities. He loves this country. So, so Trump to me is like the, 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 the best mix of qualities I've seen for someone who, who uh, could be president. That's why I vote for him. But he's yeah. not, but the party would never, the Republican party would never select him or back him. And yet he's, you know, one of our best presidents. But there are other people out there that would be great presidents, too. Who, who are some of those innovative, you know, uh, people that could, uh, that could really do the job, that are just brilliant? Victor Davis Hanson might be an interesting president, for example. Who are the fighters out there? Who are the, who are the real fighters? You know, Dan Bongino might make a great governor, for example, and then president. We don't know. Candace Owens might be great in office. There's a lot of people out there that are never considered for office that would be extremely good at it. You know, they're brilliant people. I don't know. I just think it'd be interesting to Here take you a go national with poll. The physical restraints. Okay. Section ahead, two. Tom. Congress, whenever two thirds of both houses of Congress by roll call vote deem is necessary. Uh-huh. May exceed the spending limit in one. Let's see, section one for one fiscal year by borrowing as provided for in the second clause of the eighth section of Article One of this Constitution. Okay, so Article One, Section Eight. Let's take a look at it because that's exactly where my bill comes from. Although mine's better than this one, <laughs> I really believe it. Article One, Section Eight says. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties and imposts and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. Okay, so that's what Congress can do. Congress can basically lay and collect taxes and pay for the common defense and and, uh, general welfare. Congress can borrow money on the credit of the United States. Congress can regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and, and among the Indian tribes. So these are the duties in Article 1, Section 3, uh, Section 8, excuse me. So your thing, which part of it is it amending? Here's the rest of it. Taxes levied under the eighth section of Article One of this Constitution shall not be raised to increase the revenue of the United States unless two-thirds of both houses of Congress by roll call vote concur. 
then nothing in this amendment shall be construed to allow for an increase in taxes without the express approval of Congress. This amendment will become effective three years after ratification. Three years. But they've got that now. Congress can raise or lower taxes now. So if you want two-thirds raise taxes, that's not a bad idea. The Senate already has that with the cloture vote. Unless it's a reconciliation bill, the Senate, you know, has to uh, have 60 percent, 60 members. Or 60 percent because there's 100 members of the Senate before they can raise taxes. All tax bills have to originate in the House. So even if the Senate wants to raise taxes, they can't do it unless the House. uh, So there's a restraint. Now, the House can pass it by majority. Uh, That would be you could do that by House rule. You wouldn't have to do that by constitutional amendment. The House could pass a rule and say we will not pass a budget bill, a tax bill without, uh, you know, two-thirds majority. See, I think all bills should have a two-thirds majority to pass Congress and four-fifths to override. That's what I'd do. Interesting, huh? What do you think? Well, you got a long road ahead. <laughs> You're no kidding. All right. Well, let's pick it up Monday. Uh, I've got a special treat for everybody Monday. Uh, there was a Facebook post where I said that all the uh, police, uh, the illegal alien police, you know, you can't do that. Uh, and I forgot what I wrote about it. Let me see if I can uh, find the quote. Anyway, someone disagreed and said, uh, uh, how come you're using the term illegal alien? You know, uh, immigrants find that term offensive. And I started a firestorm of controversy on my Facebook page. So the guy that posts that, uh, one of my liberal friends, he's going to come on the show Monday. So we're going to talk about that. That's going to be fascinating fun. Then Jonathan, then Dorothy. So Monday's going to be big. Tuesday, we've got uh, Brianna should be back. And Josie, third hour, don't know. Uh, and Wednesday, of course, we've got a very what special liberal, guest. What immigrant huh? would, would consider that being offensive unless they was in the country illegal? No, it's, it exactly. doesn't make any sense. Well, let me see if I can find the post real quick. I wonder if I wrote I'll it. I'll see you later. Oh, don't go away yet. Hmm. Uh, no, I don't have it here. I'll, I'll put it up for I'll put it up for Monday. In that case, all right. Hey, listen, have a good weekend, and we'll talk Monday. You too. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. Right now. All right. So I'll get the post for Monday. I'll post it on, on my Facebook page, Greg Penglis' Facebook page. You can find it easily. Um, and so, uh, but we're going to have a good, good time Monday talking about somebody that uh, wants to say that you can't say illegal alien. Well, of course I can. <laughs> you know, a bunch of other things too. Uh, and it's like these people, you know, it's the old argument. These people want a better life, you know, that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about that Monday. That's going to be fun. And again, Tuesday, I think Brianna's back. And then Wednesday, we got Christina Bob. Thursday, I have no idea. And Friday, Friday's kind of crazy anyway. <laughs> Candace should be back in a couple of weeks too. So uh, everybody's coming back. We're going to have a good time. You know, things are back to normal pretty much. Let me play a couple more things. And then I'll be back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it um, all again. Let me see if I can just find my, uh, where is it? Where's my, uh, looking for my Strike Force ad. I always like this one because it kind of wakes you up. Ah, here we go. All right. See you all Monday, 7 a.m. Central Time. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, 
write your laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. And, of course, the other thing you can help out with is sponsoring our show and uh, help us do what we do best. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.